Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Sunday evening. Of course, not on the air last Thursday. Certainly appreciate everybody who uh, sent us well wishes. Uh, you may know me. I am not one who will sit on the sideline when ill, uh, even if my voice is a little bit beat up. But, man, it was a rough week. I'm glad we're back at the, at the uh, mic, as it were, and we're back at it here on this Sunday evening, and of course, a rare Sunday, as we are talking to every single region, some program from every single region around Division Three. We'll talk a little bit later about why that's a bit of a challenge in the future, as we will probably be expanding to 10 regions in about a year and a half's time. Um, but uh, outside of the marathon, we've never talked to all eight regions in one show. Looking forward to doing or finishing that up tonight. Uh, one more guest uh, in the regions uh, as we will go out to the central region to wrap up this run of eight schools with Wisconsin Lutheran women's basketball coming up. But first, we'll jump into the Great Lakes and we will talk about a team out of the AMCC. And admittedly, we don't talk about the AMCC a ton for a lot of varying reasons. But this team is worth talking about. They're sitting fourth in the regional rankings. They were third in week one. I can't imagine they won't stay kind of in that area as LaRoche is playing very good basketball. They're 21 and two. And maybe an advantage of going away from this metric that certainly weighed this, the strength of schedule quite a bit in favor of other teams. Who knows? We'll figure this all out by the end of the season when we all get to see how the it all plays out. But Herman, or better known as Hermie Carmichael, joins us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline from LaRoche. And Coach, I really appreciate the time. Uh, thanks, Dave. I appreciate you giving uh, the Red Hawk program a little bit of a uh you know, exposure here. So thank you again. Absolutely. Uh, and fascinating because I, I think it was one of those where I kept looking at you guys throughout the season going, oh, another win. Okay. You know, that's significant. Nice. Oh, an another good win. Okay. Huh. They lost to Hope. Oh, it was by five. That's that's not too bad. Oh, they, they beat Calvin. And it was one of these things like, I don't know what to make of all this, but they're having a really good year. Of course, since you lost to Hope, you haven't lost. You've only lost twice this season. The first loss was to Marietta, again, in a close game at their place. What have we been missing about this Red Hawks team that maybe the schedule hasn't allowed us to see? Well, I, you know, it, it's tough at this level, um, you know, with the, with, you know, the whole strength of schedule thing. And, you know, there's what, what we try to talk to our team about is only being able to control what we can control. And, you know, we, I, I try to go out and, and schedule as tough as I can, um, you know, when it comes out to outside the conference. But, you know, you, we, we run into those, you know, we run into difficulties, you know, with, with dates and restrictions and all those things. But, you know, we, we, we have an extremely talented team um, who has gone through a lot over the last four years, has grown a lot. Uh, you know, we have the ability to, you know, to score a lot of points if that's the way the game is going. And then we've also found – you know, that we're able to win in, in low-scoring affairs, too, if, you know, the opponents, you know, try to change the style of game. Um, you know, we have, you know, the threat of shooting from the outside and making 12 to 15 threes a game, and we also have the inside threat um, of being able to go inside and score inside the paint, you know, as, as much as possible. So, you know, I, I feel like we've put together a very talented team, um, you know, with, with some depth. And, and we've done everything that we can do when it comes to going out and competing, um, you know, against as good a competition as we can. And, uh, you know, we're extremely blessed. We're extremely happy with where we're sitting right now at, at 23 and 2 and, and on the run that we're on. And, um, 
all we can do, like I said before, is control what we control and, and play the opponents that we play and, and try to take care of business, you know, with, with those opponents. And, of course, some of those, you know, as we talk about every time, you, you might go out there and schedule against a, an opponent that's going to have a really good season or traditionally does, and it doesn't work out for you. Uh, John Carroll's 12-13 and 13 this season. It certainly hasn't been there. Uh, bread and butter. You lost to Hope, who's fifteen and ten. Not bad, but certainly probably expected better. Calvin's a win, but it's a thirteen and twelve squad. There's some some of that mixed in, which probably doesn't help you guys. When in maybe another year, it would be a big boost. But I assume in the locker room that doesn't matter too much. You know what the job is because of what the AMCC is as a conference. You're going to have to win essentially to get in. Yeah, I mean, I. We we go into every year, you know, understanding that that's probably the way the AMCC is going to work, um, you know. But I we don't recruit and we don't schedule just trying to win the AMCC. You know, we've tried to put together a team here over the course of the last few years. Once we started to win some games, that we could go out there and compete against top twenty-five teams and national tournament, you know, quality teams and. You know, for us to be tied 80-80 to against Marietta with two minutes to go in the first game of the year, and then for us to have a 12-point lead at Hope, you know, and, and, and unfortunately kind of fall apart a little bit, we still feel like in our locker room that whatever happens these last couple games, that we are the type of team that mm-hmm. is battle-tested and ready to play in the national tournament. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Uh, you, you again at Marietta, which is one of the tougher places to play in the Great Lakes. You know, at the beginning of the season, when uh, when you probably are still getting to know your team to some degree, you only lost by five. That's a tough place to play. You lost at Hope by five. You you won at or beat Calvin at Hope. Granted, kind of a secondary home game for Calvin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you still probably experienced about three thousand Calvin fans. Uh, <laughs> lost by six to them. You have games here that certainly you need for the experience of being in that NCAA tournament. To some degree, you won't be surprised no matter where you end up in the tournament should you be there by the environment, the crowd, whatever, because, well, you've you've had some really good tests in this season. Correct, and that's, you know, to go back to what you said before, I mean, when we, you know, scheduled John Carroll, you know, the last few years, you know, you know, and unfortunately, they, they had an injury to, to one of the Berger, you know, mm-hmm. brothers early in the year. So he wasn't on the roster. So they weren't playing as well as they are now. Um, and, you know, some other teams like Hope and Calvin, like you mentioned, that may not be having the years they've had in the past. But, right. you know, we gladly accepted that invite to that Great Lakes <laughs> invitation sure. going out there, knowing that the potential of all three of those teams could have been what they were last year or the year before as top 25 or national tournament teams. And we were ready and prepared to go out there. And we didn't feel like making that trip out there that we weren't capable of winning either one of those games um, as a staff or as a program. Curious six season as head coach. We are not that far removed from one in 24. Uh, which happened in season number two, if I'm if I'm correct, uh, the one win coming in conference as you finished one and seventeen that year, you rebounded to eleven wins better than next year, twelve and fourteen, another eight wins improvement to twenty and eight, a win improvement to twenty and seven, we're two wins uh, better now at twenty three and two. In other words, a twenty two game swing 
in a few scant years, as one who certainly knows what it's like to be uh, around programs that are near the bottom, how did you turn it around in a relatively quick manner uh, of speaking? Recruit much better players. <laughs> uh, sure, but I, how do you how do you how do you get them there with that you know one well, and twenty four? I um, it's funny. I, I I thank my seniors after senior night for somehow believing in something that we said to them that year too. Because yeah. this senior group is that year after right. we went one and twenty four. So now they've become the most winningest the the, the, the winningest senior group to ever go through La Roche. Wow. Um, with the win yesterday. So they trusted in something that we said or we were going to do moving forward to come here and start this rebuild. Um, but we also we we created a, a culture. We 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 came up with these things called the core values, um, five words that we talk about a lot. Um, that on the court and off the court that we try to always use when situations are going uh, you know good or bad for us. Um, you know, so we, we, we instantly tried to change our culture by recruiting not only better players, but better people from better families, from better high school programs and all that stuff along. Mm. And with that, you know, the, the winning started to happen and then culture started to become stronger Mm -hmm. and the losses, you know, we had nine losses by six points or less that year. We were one in 24. Yeah. You look at our schedule this year, and you look at games under ten points. You know, only we, we lost two of those: Hope and Marietta. Yep. You know, so um, you know you got to have great players, but just like every coach is going to tell you, your culture has to be strong to continue to build on you know your traditions and your expectations and all that stuff, like year in and year out. Um, so, that, like I said, it was, it was changing the culture, creating an image for our program and then recruiting better players, you know, year in and year out. When I look at the conference schedule this season, it, it, it kind of gives me a head scratch. Um, and, I, and not in a negative way, but to some degree, when you're looking from the outside and looking at paper, sometimes you look at results and go, geez, it almost feels like they're playing to their competition. Uh, Mount Oleosis, you know, 62-57, but Penn State Altoona, 95-61. The Uville's a 101-85 win, but then you play the next time against Penn State Barron, and it's 57-50. What's, what explains the, the up-and-downness of what was, I know, a grind, and I know a perfect season in the conference, but what explains so much of the up-and-downness and not what seems, again, on paper, to you guys controlling things? Um, I... You know, I think you can ask a lot of college coaches around the country, no matter what level it is, <laughs> yeah. how hard it, how hard it is to win one basketball game sure. besides twenty or twenty. I mean, what Wooster, twenty-three consecutive wins for Wooster is un, unbelievable for me to even think of as a coach. You know, so like I, when, when you're the defending, you know, when you're the defending champ, and you're and you're on a winning streak, you know, you got to deal with everybody's Super Bowl each game you play them, and everybody's best punch every game you play them. So I really don't think – I mean, we haven't played to our potential at all times and all those things as a coach. I'm you know, always going to think that way. But you also got to factor in what we're getting from the opponents every single night too. Mm-hmm. You know, is – you know, we, we, and we had to finish five, five or less last six were on the road. 
So, you know, True. when I looked at the back half of the schedule, I was like, man, <laughs> you know, it's great to be nine. It's great to be nine and zero halfway through, but we got to finish the season with the second place team, the fourth place team yeah. and the fifth place team on the road and five out of, you know, a total five of those six on the road. Right. So in any conference at any level, no matter how your conference is ranked, rated, whatever it is, that's not easy to do. You know, sure. so luckily, luckily we've had some other things where I've been able to try to continue to motivate my guys with, you know, this undefeated possibility and my seniors becoming the most winningest senior group. We've been able to continue to stress some things to where it was able to keep us motivated enough to continue on this stretch. But like I said before, could we play better at times? Yes, of course. Yeah. But I also feel like when you're going on the road – in any conference, and you're dealing with teams that I want to be that team to upset and not let them go undefeated in the season. You know, you gotta, you're going to be in a battle every single night. You know, no matter how well off the conference is outside of us, we're still going to deal with everybody's best punch every night. Yeah, certainly. Absolutely true. Uh, you get the conference tournament coming to your place on Saturday. I don't believe you know who your opponent is as of yet, obviously. Um, but that's obviously important to have this thing coming through Pittsburgh. I've been asking everybody this. You guys are sitting in that fourth spot in the rankings, as we mentioned. Do you feel any confidence that, you know, hopefully not, but you lose a game that you can still get in as an at-large, or is this win and get in, win and get in, win and get in message basically the point here? I'll answer that. I, I feel we're good enough. I feel like we've done enough to get in. I feel like we're good enough to be viewed as one of the teams that is one of the top 64 teams or how, you know, however people view that stuff. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the things that I've been reading and a lot of the things that I've been seeing from people, you know, different people, yeah. I know that it's 50, 50. And I also know that I understand how it all, I mean, it's the same way at all the other levels, you know, you've got conferences that are usually one bid conferences and um, you know, but, I don't know what else we could have done this season besides obviously win those other two games and go undefeated. And <laughs> sure. Feel, well, then it's an irrelevant. <laughs> what, what's that? Then it's irrelevant. <laughs> well, yeah, right, right. You know, so I don't know what else we could have done. We can't do anything about where we're placed and what conference we're in and who's on our schedule and who's this and who's that and whatever. We've won. Right. We've won 23 games. We've won 15 in a row. We won eight. We lost one. We won eight in a row. We lost one. We won 15 in a row. Yeah. You know, we've been battle tested. We've gone on the road. We've we're nine points away from being undefeated. I mean, I feel like we're athletic enough, talented enough, and we've put something together that is good enough to be out there, win or lose this coming weekend. But we've also discussed this, and I've told my guys like. We have the potential to we we have the potential all the way up to maybe hosting mm-hmm. because it's, that's been talked about, and we also have the potential still to where if we lose on Saturday, we might be watching the whole tournament. Yeah, true. So I mean, we have to just understand that and accept that, and come ready starting tomorrow to prepare for Saturday's game the same way we prepared prepared for the other twenty five. Sure, uh, Army, I appreciate the time. Uh, great uh, to talk LaRoche basketball with you and, and, and to hear what your thoughts on it all. 
Uh, we always have a final or uh, always have a tradition on the show that we give the final word to the guest. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Uh, no, again, I'd just like to appreciate, you know, you giving you know, me time to talk about our program. And, um, you know, I listen almost weekly whenever things are going on. And I think you guys do a great job. And I follow everything on Twitter and, uh, you know, all the social media stuff. And, uh, you know, what you guys do for Division Three basketball is great um, because there's just so many people out there that don't realize how competitive mm-hmm. basketball is all the way down to this level. And, uh, you know, again, I just uh, appreciate what you do for, for the game itself and for our level and for tonight giving um, you know, me time to talk about the Red Hawks. Absolutely. So. I appreciate you coming on and talking about the Red Hawks. Makes this job uh, easier. All right. Thank you again. Absolutely. Take care of yourself. We'll talk to you sometime down the road. All right. Sounds good. Hopefully. Absolutely. Hermie Carmichael joining us from LaRoche. Again, the great story. I was listening to a baseball game uh, on the radio. I think it was Cubs at Pirates um, as I was coming back from another game. I, I, I work a lot of baseball games now in the uh, basketball offseason. And uh, an ad came on and or uh, the person tossed a break, the play-by-play person, they said, well, uh, here's a, a word from our sponsors, LaRoche College. And I thought to myself, oh, 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 I can't believe this guy got. And then the ad ran, and it said LaRoche, and I thought to myself, all right, so how long have I been saying LaRoche, and no one's corrected me? No one. I felt like an idiot. Uh, but I made a me- mental note. We were going to get LaRoche on the show sometime so I could correct it as much as I possibly can. They're 23 and 2, 18 and 0 in conference play. They host the AMCC semifinals and championship this coming weekend. We'll look forward to seeing what the Red Hawks can do and if LaRoche can make it into the NCAA tournament. I, I look forward to maybe saying LaRoche on uh, the bracket shows next Monday. Without we'll taking another break, when we come back, we'll wrap up our eight region run. We'll head out to Wisconsin, talk Wisconsin Lutheran women's basketball. And listen to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More of this extended special edition of Hoopsville when we come back. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. UW-Eau Claire and Mayo Clinic Health System are creating amazing opportunities for students from across the Midwest. Our collaborative research agreement allows students to work with world-renowned physicians and scientists. And with more than 80 majors, UW-Eau Claire is the perfect fit for those who dream big and are ready to change the world. I used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Big shots. Big dunks. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum Arena in Fort Wayne. With his third triple. 
Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and secure your seats today. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here on this Sunday evening, the 17th of February, as we continue to plug along with a show that is concluding its third hour here shortly. Don't forget, coming up, we got two more major segments for the final hour. We will talk to Brad Banks and the ODAC commissioner in a lengthy conversation, but it is wor well worth the time. Also, the grand idea was to cut it down, have the extended version, kind of like they do with late-night shows, have the extended version kind of uh, on-demand and available at a later time by coming to the site while we play the shorter version. But we were so busy getting this jam-packed show together and having me spent really honestly about two and a half days trying to recover from being sick um, I, I didn't have time to cut it down. So we're going to run the whole Bankston interview about regional changes coming potentially to Division Three. It's it's crossed a major hurdle, and we'll, he discusses what's next. And then we'll talk to Pat Coleman and Ryan Scott to, to round things out as we look ahead at teams who need to get in the NCAA tournament, want to get in the NCAA tournament, bubble scenarios and all that jazz. That's still ahead on the show. But we're going to wrap up our run through all eight regions here. Uh, being sick on Thursday allowed us to um, kind of move our guests from Thursday into tonight's show while adding on to tonight's show what we would normally do on a Sunday. So we have the rare chance of going through all eight regions. We have been through all but the Central, and we will do that now by talking Wisconsin Lutheran women's basketball. They are once again on top of the conference at 24-1, and 19-1 in conference play, certainly playing well. They've always been in the conversation, have the, the Warriors. Um, but what do we make of them this season? especially in a jam-packed central region. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is their head coach of the women's program. It is Clay Knepple. And, Coach, thanks for taking the time to join us. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Um, listen, we've talked in the past. You guys have been on top of the conference standings not every year. Last year, a little bit off at 16-10 and 10 overall, 15-5. and 5, But... Previous years, certainly in that conversation, you go back to 2012, 2013, when you were 25 and three and, and undefeated in the NACC. I, I feel like I've gotten used to you guys being here, but when I when I kept looking at the resume, with one loss being the Benedictine in conference play, I feel like we we don't know the whole story here. What's the whole story of this season for you guys? Well, I I, I tried to schedule non-conference as, as as good as I could. We have our winning tournaments and. Uh, it's been it's been a really good run for my team. I have a, a veteran team, and uh, you know I was hoping to get a little bit more, a little bit more uh, recognition in the central region, a little bit more, and, and in D three hoops. But but again, you know, our, our, in our non conference schedule, um, some of the teams that we had played had been in the tournament in the past few years, and had had you know had really good seasons, and this year they're kind of they didn't have as good years, so that that didn't help us out. But uh, no, we've been playing really really good defense. Um, I got a really solid group, and you know I start four seniors that that have a lot of experience. Uh, so uh, they're playing really well. We've been playing really well. Certainly have uh, the one loss this season. Uh, again, we said it was Benedictine. I go to the out of conference schedule, and, and granted, some of these 
in years past may look a little different. And I think that's what's interesting this year for you. The Calvin win by 14. Of course, they later go and relieve their coach. They aren't having as great a season as everyone expected. So that one ends up being a, oh, darn, at 12 and 13 season. Uh, you beat Montclair State. Um, I'll never forget what Karen Harvey said. She didn't think their their team was as good as they had been in the past. She didn't expect a lot. They lost in the conference tournament. Uh, you beat FDU Florham. And, of course, after the coach left taking his three best players, we didn't know what to make of FDU Florham. So you you made a concerted effort, certainly. It looked like you are going to have a lot, but it, it just the balls haven't bounced in your favor in terms of the schedule. And, and that's probably where you – you kind of are stuck there in some senses of what you think of with the rankings in the poll. Is that a fair way of saying it? Yeah, I think so. I, I, it's, it's, it's tough. You know, I, I know our strength of schedule is really poor, and there's not a lot we can do about that in our, in our conference right now. Some of our teams that are at the bottom of the league are, are really struggling, and that does not help us at all. And, and we, you know, again, when, when we when we hit the road on, in Florida, I had guys down there asking me what we were ranked and <laughs> what position we were in. And, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, so teams that have seen us play, guys that have seen us play, uh, the coaches in our conference, I mean, they know what we have. They, they know the, the, the ability we have as a team. Um, you know, but I also understand our strength of schedule is not what it needs to be. But, again, there's not a lot I can do about that. Um, all we can do is go out, focus, and and you know, again, I said I, I think after this weekend we'll be number one in the country defensively, defensive scoring, um, which you know, again, we go out every every game and play really hard defensively, um, hold our opponents, and and that's all we can do. And I ask my team to go out every day and play hard, and they they go out and do that. He's certainly playing hard. Again, the one loss to Benedictine uh, was at their place back in early January. Um, had been undefeated. Obviously, you've been undefeated since. You avenged that loss uh, by 14 at your home beginning of February. Was that just the perfectly timed game, or are we underappreciating Benedictine to some degree? What, what's the deal there? I think so. I think they're, they, they have a really good program, really, yeah. good, uh, really good team. Um, you know they were they were gonna try to make the leap to B two, um, yes. And saying that that was the, that that they uh, they have some nice players. I mean they, they he has a really nice program down there. Um, you know it was one of those games we we came back we played a couple games in our conference and and there were a couple poor teams that we had played and we went down there and we did not take care of the ball at all. I think that was the worst worst game we played all year as far as turnovers. Um, but I. At that time, it was probably the best thing for us. Uh, we refocused after that game and really, really got over, got got on ourselves about our intensity. I basically made myself do twenty-two down and backs for the twenty-two turns. <laughs> you? <laughs> yes, I did. That's a player's <laughs> problem. It's <laughs> a team problem. It's kind of our culture, you know. We, we built the culture of it pretty much, and we we all need to take care of the ball. And it was at a leisurely pace. I said it. <laughs> As fast as he wanted to do them, so we <laughs> did dribble, dribble down. It was kind of at a leisurely pace. It was not at all out spread. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you, sir. Uh, I mean, there's got to be some limits, right? Uh, we can't be crazy to some degree. Uh, but but did you do in a suit or 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 in uh, in athletic gear? Yeah, I, did my, I was in athletic gear. Okay, okay. Well, that's at least somewhat more reasonable. Hey. uh... Let's talk about this team. You're led by a senior in Jen Dowden, uh, 15.7 points a game, hauling in uh, 3.8 rebounds, handing out 3.2 assists, 
Oh, by the way, uh, he also has a, almost two steals a game. A uh, little bit of a drop-off there, but you got two players who are nearly in double figures and have flirted with it. Kelly Tramberg, the junior, and, and Matty Elrod, the senior, both at 9.8, 9.6 points per game equally. Uh, Elrod, your top rebounder at 6.2. Uh, that that trio is certainly tough, but there's there's others like senior Alexi Renke and, and junior uh, Tierney Wardwood, who I should also mention Amanda Brugg, the sophomore, who are also contributing. It, it's an interesting group you have because you start the same twenty-five, you always play the same twenty or the same eight. Yes, <laughs> that's pretty consistent. Yeah, it is, it is an interesting group. I have a lot of younger players, um, a lot of freshmen that are learning this year that aren't getting playing time. I have one freshman that comes in for us and plays, Jenna Mace, who. Who, if she was probably at another program, was would probably be starting for most guys. Um, but because of my seniors and and because of uh, their passion, kind of that they 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 were driven this year to do do what they they've done. Um, yeah, I, I, part of the scoring thing, I think, is you know, I mean, if Jen would play, if I play her more in our league, uh, she'd probably average about twenty twenty five. Uh-huh. You know, and it's it just we get into some games like this last week, and and some of my other guys where she she could get going, and you know I played her 14 minutes, and then I think I played her 20 minutes, and you know then then on uh, Saturday she plays you know 30 minutes and has 22 points and has a few more rebounds, you know, so that's kind of kind of the way we've been, and also my other guys score at certain times, you know, Lexi Ranky. Um, Kelly Tramberg, we've had different guys that have scored in games, uh, have come out and, you know, had 18 or 16. And then the next game, you know, somebody else, Elrod will come out and have 16, have 10 rebounds. So it's coming from different people, mm-hmm. which is, um, which is great for us. Uh, you know, we, we haven't had many players of the week in our conference, but that's because one game, somebody will go out and have a good game. And then the next night, somebody else is. Sure. And that's nothing wrong with that to some degree. Um, you guys are sitting in seventh in the regional rankings, which probably tells everybody what we all know you're going to need to win to get in. At least the conference comes to your neck of the woods. You don't know who you're playing as of yet. Uh, if I read this correct, um, lowest remaining seed will come to you. So either the winner of, well, basically if MSOE upsets Concordia, Wisconsin, you would get them. Otherwise it's probably the winner of Dominican Aurora. Is that hard to get ready for a game like that when you? it could be one of three teams? Or because you know these teams so well from conference play that it, it's six to one, half dozen? Yeah, I, I don't, we know them really well. And, and so I, it's really tough at this point. You know, we're, we're going to go back to Saturday's game a little bit tomorrow and just, you know, watch video with, with the team and watch film. Um, tomorrow, and, and then, you know, as, as we prepare, we don't know who we're going to play, but defensively we know what we're going to do, um, and we know what we need to practice for tomorrow and the next day before we, we see who we're going to play. Um, for us, we've been in this position. Last year we, we won the conference and, and hosted the tournament, and this year we're doing the same thing. Um, so I have the experience. My guys know what they need to do. That That's probably the best thing for us, and the tradition that we have is um, – you know, my, my younger guys are learning it, that, uh, you know, how to prepare for games and, and get ready to play in tournament time. And, you know, they know it's, it's important for us to go out every night and, and we'll be ready on Friday no matter what. 
what do you what do you do with the team this week? How do you keep them both, you know, rested? Maybe licking the wounds of a grind of a season, but at the same time ready to go and, and in good shape for Friday when essentially you've had a week off. Um, you know, I think I think again what I just kind of pointed to, or you know, it's it's, it's being there before, mm-hmm. uh, doing it again. And uh, again, I have a veteran team. Yeah, uh, they, they, I tell the players, my, my veteran guys who, who have, you know, they, they log minutes or log a lot. Like Lexi played a lot of minutes for us at the point guard position, and it's been a great job for us this year. And you know, as you know, they get banged up, they get tired at the end of the year, and and she comes to practices, and and uh, you know, I, I, she knows how to take care of her body, and our trainers are telling her what to do, and. Um, you know, I rely on them and her to say, "All right, I'm going to do this amount today uh, to get ready for Friday." And and you know, we, we we'll go hard probably tomorrow a little bit, and then on uh, Tuesday um, might not be as hard, but then we'll go hard Wednesday, prepare a little bit more on Thursday, and then uh, you know we'll we'll be ready on Friday. Well, looking forward to seeing what happens on Friday and uh, see if you guys can make some waves in the NCAA tournament. It's not like that's a, a foreign concept. Uh, to you ladies, uh, your team has certainly uh, both had some tough first round matchups, but also kind of uh, shown your stuff and medal in the first round um, and, and, and so on. So we wish you luck. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Well, I just want to say thanks to you, Dave, for having me on and, and supporting D3 Hoops and, and getting the word out there. And then also to the, all our guys that work uh, for us at the college, uh, making our game day stuff great. Uh, we really appreciate them. And then uh, my family, i got a huge family that <laughs> supports my program. Uh, my brothers and sisters, mom, dad, my, my family, they're, they're a big part of, part of what the program's about and, and what we've accomplished uh, the last 15 years that I've been there. Well, well said. Uh, again, congratulations. Take care, enjoy it, and uh, we'll talk to you somewhere down the road. All right, thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Clay Knipple joining us here on the uh, Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. All interviews on the Hoopsville Hotline are courtesy of our partners at Blue Frame Technology and their industry-leading production truck software. If your college is ready to showcase its teams through a reliable and innovative web stream, video web streaming service that also won't break your budget, you should check out Blue Frame Technology. Their advanced digital broadcast tools will help take your broadcast to the next level. You can learn more today by going online to www.blueframetech.com. That's blueframetech.com. And tell them we sent you as well. Uh, by the way, I was saying Knupel earlier. My brain just not clicking, apparently. Uh, he's got one of those unique names, as you probably saw on the screen, spelled out uh, K-N-U-E-P-P-E-L. Uh, hats off to Brian, uh, who uh, emailed us. He's the PA announcer for Wisconsin Lutheran. Interesting enough, I got it after I got Coach on the show, and I already asked him uh, off air to make sure I had pronounced, pronounced it correctly. But uh, I appreciate uh, um the help there, Brian. I appreciate it very much, sir. Take another break. When we come back, Brad Bankston comes on the show in a pre-tape segment. Again, it's a bit of a lengthy segment, but it's a really good segment talking about why a significant change to regions is most likely coming to Division Three in the next year or two. And then after that, Pat Coleman and Ryan Scott will join me to talk about much more like bubble teams in the current regional setup. You listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Brad Bankston, regional changes coming up next. 
Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Mike Meller, head coach of Messiah Women's Basketball and member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. We really hope you enjoy the show. Back to you, Dave. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this extended version of this show as we cross into 9 o'clock. Approximately a half hour, we will hear from Pat Coleman and Ryan Scott, and we'll talk uh, bubble teams and teams that need to get in, hosting opportunities, answer a lot of your questions. So don't forget, you can always send them to us, either on Twitter, at d 3 hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email them, dave.mcue at d3sports.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. There's also a place to chat on YouTube's uh, screen if you happen to be there, or on the Hoopsville simulcast on Facebook and on uh, Periscope. Uh, quickly, I want to get into the next segment because it has to do with Division Three in the future. Brad Bankston was kind enough to come on the show to talk to me earlier today in an interview where it has to do with region changes that are coming up. One idea, for example, or in this idea, I should say, for example, basketball would go from eight to ten regions, football potentially from four to six men's across which has been stuck at two regions for a very long time interesting enough is already going to be moving to five but potentially they could be at six with these types of changes and it affects other sports uh this interview was going to be broken down so we could ex use the extended version at a later time but unfortunately i didn't have time to break it down so you're going to hear the whole thing from start to finish here uh very in-depth conversation about why this has come to pass 
why it got derailed a, a while back and what the ultimate goal is. And ultimately, it's about putting guidelines in place to better handle growth of sports. Here's my conversation with Brad Bankston earlier today. Now joining me on the Hoopsville Hotline presented by Blue Buffalo. I keep doing that. Three, two, one. Now joining me on the Hoopsville Hotline presented by Blue Frame Technology. It is the commissioner of the ODAC, member of the Management Council, and by that, he's also on the Championships Committee. It is Brad Bankston. And, sir, thanks for taking the time to talk about this. Hey, thank you for having me. Hopefully I can shed a little uh little light and a little clarity on the uh, conversations we've had. Absolutely. Um, that's what we're hoping for. Uh, the regional realignment, as Division Three has grown, it becomes a bit of a hot-button issue or at least one that's under the table. I feel like a number of years ago it was certainly a hot-button issue. We had gotten to the point where things just felt convoluted. This one felt a little bit more like, huh, you know, I wish we could do better, but it didn't feel like it was as hot a topic, but I get a sense that not necessarily is the case higher up, that you guys were talking about this for a while. Well, I think from um, it's important to put the historical perspective there that fundamental change based on regional um, alignment was made in like the, the mid to late 2000. Mm -hmm. And there was another attempt around the, 2010, 2011 timeframe uh, that had some momentum. I think some of it probably uh, was bearing in mind uh, the, the the focus or the principles that, that we looked at this time around. And for whatever reason, I'm not sure anybody can quite identify the reason why, uh, it, it never made it to the finish line. Hmm. And um, I think that's been a lingering conversation or concern uh, with the commissioners, I've had uh, several conversations with colleagues over the years. Uh, one that was on the championships committee at the time, and, and you know, just just basically phrased, you know, should we think about this again? Uh, and the reaction by that colleague was almost, you know, just just be a belly laugh because <laughs> you know they did they did a ton of work on it, yeah. and they and they couldn't get it they couldn't get it finished, and for whatever reason they they didn't get it done. So. We, we looked at it again. We formed a, um, a championship subcommittee. We have a number of committees within the commissioners group, and we formed a subcommittee. And one of the things that we wanted to try to do was to aid the membership in, in championship-related issues. It's not dictating policy. It's not attempting to try to, you know, run things through the commissioners association. It was, hey, if we can all agree on something, it makes a whole lot of sense mm. for us to translate that to the membership through the governance structure to go, hey, look, we think this is an issue. We think we can get to a point where we can agree on something. And we may not be 100 percent in agreement of it, but if we're supportive of it, chances are, or, or, or at least would be my hope, that our membership is as well. well and yeah. and that's, that's the way we, we went at it. And we looked at selection criteria. We looked at uh, regional realignment. And we've looked at several options. And we thought, you know what? Maybe regional realignment is the place where we can contribute the most, and, and that's where we started the conversation, and that's where we are now. Obviously, commissioners have a pulse of what's going on in their, in their conferences. If a majority of, of a conference isn't for it, you're going to hear that from that particular um, uh, conference commissioner. So you, you really do get a much better sense of what's going on, maybe better than presidents do, and that's not a knock on the presidents, but you guys are talking ADs and, and, and departments probably more than the presidents are. So you do have a sense of where people are thinking on these topics. Well, I think so. But, I, you know, again, from a presidential perspective, there's probably not a lot of discussion even at 
mm-hmm. even at the highest level of the division, related to uh, regional realignment and the championship structure at the President's Council conversation. So sure. obviously they're kind of looking at things that are more of a, you know, a 40,000 kind of foot look and more philosophically uh, basis and mm-hmm. membership related and other things. Uh, and, and we're hoping that in, mu- in much, many of these changes in the past, if you think about it, uh, somebody could have appealed to the championships committee from either a conference or an institution uh, that may have been, you know, in a league that had a waiver where mm-hmm. you could be in different regions that would ask and request to move regions. Mm-hmm. So it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a big deal when somebody presented uh, the appropriate documentation and, and reasoning and rationale for them to move. And it, that didn't have to go up the chain right. to to, uh, to 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 get approved or not. It was approved at the sport committee level. It was it was approved by the championships committee, and and it moved forward. It was probably sent to the council as an informational item, but it wasn't something that was an action item for them. So you know, I think we we feel like I I felt like all through the process that, it, that if we could get behind something collectively as a commissioners group, one we could have a chance to contribute something to the division in an area that probably needed attention and mm-hmm. and hasn't had the type of uh, focus that it needed over the last, you know, six, seven years. Sure. I'm talking to Brad Bankston here, the commissioner of the Old Dominion Athletic Conference on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Brad, one of the things I remember when we went through this last realignment uh, a number of years ago, as you pointed out, and, and even when we kind of re- revisited it, as it were, and we being the division, the Northeast remain this huge chunk of schools because when you really look at the geography it's it's not possible to pull a, a conference out of there and put them say in the east or the atlantic when some of its members are up in boston or even further northeast it just doesn't make any logical sense but we were also all working under the guise of this is we have eight regions and and that's where our max is and we can't really move around and make it fair this takes this to a whole nother level we're, we're talking about adding regions, making 10 really more of the number. How did that conversation develop? And was the conversation about just how crowded the Northeast is or how convoluted maybe the West is, and we're talking basketball regions here, obviously, was that part of that conversation go, we, we, we can do better? <laughs> well, I don't know if we could have figured out how to do better with eight. I think we all agreed that you know, one of the things our proposal uh, that we moved forward to the council was we got rid of the geographic, you know, identifiers of regions. So, mm-hmm. you know, if it was a question of who was in New England and who was in the east mm-hmm. and who was in the great in the in the northeast or whatever that 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 uh, that tagline for for a geographic region may have been on a uh, on a specific region or a group of schools, you know, we. We said, let's get rid of that. Mm. And then as we started thinking, we said, you know what? I'm not sure we can do this with eight because I think we're constantly going to have this conversation of, you know, can we really get to a balanced number of institutions per region with with the number eight? So the the concept kind of grew. Let's look at what would what would adding, you know, in those sports that are over 375 sponsoring institutions or roughly around that number. Um, what happened if we go from from eight to ten? And I think what I think part of the flaw of the conversations up to this point, uh, even in seven when it was redone in, in, in twenty eleven, uh, was that they were trying to stay within those boundaries of eight. So mm-hmm. we started asking each other, well, what happens if we go to ten? You know, is it is it any is it really any difference other than you know you, you have a chance to balance the regions, which was one of the principal uh, baselines, that, you know, pillars that we wanted to kind of work on. 
in numbers. We also wanted to be more geographically centric about what we were doing. Again, you've, you've mentioned the West. That's always a difficult, uh, you know, pot mm-hmm. of slice, very difficult to try to do. So as we were walking through it, we said, hey, you know, let's see what 10 would do. And, and clearly, because of compression and because of those changes uh, over time and the additions of sports and growth in certain areas and institutions coming into the division, you know, it, we realized in the process, hey, this will work. Mm-hmm. So the next question for us logically was, you know, there is a financial impact as a part of this. So we, we immediately went to, um, to uh, the championships group within the, within the division and, and said, hey, look, you know, is this a deal breaker? Like if we come back with something that has 10 regions mm-hmm. in some of these sports, you know, is this something that nobody's even going to listen to? They said, no. I mean, you know, if it's, if it's important enough for, for the division and people believe that it's a good proposal, then we'd move forward like any other time that we would be growing regions. Sure. Uh, and, and we put forward a budget priority, uh, and it's good timing because that's getting ready to happen and transpire within the division in the next couple of months with the priorities from the championships committee and other areas to set the budget for the next two years. Right. So your timing's perfect. You know, give it a shot and see what you come up with. And, um, and, and, we, and we move forward with the 10 because we felt like that did give us the division, the breakdown of the division in a more equitable way geographically as well as balancing the numbers in each region. So. I mean, obviously, there's some pieces to that that will play out in the selection process, but we didn't think 10 would would hamper negatively hamper the selection process to the point to where it would be a you know something we shouldn't try to pursue. It certainly feels like a a, a, a common sense, and I don't want to say it as if we should have known this already, but it seems like a common sense idea because you can get to much more balanced regions. So again, Northeast is you know got 11 teams ranked on the men's side and such. You go down to the Mid-Atlantic, and they've got, you know, seven uh, or something along those lines. And, and, and we've always struggled with that balance. And I thought the last time around, you know, good idea. Listen, when a new schools come in or new conferences, we know where we can position them. That's why everybody knew where the AEC was probably going to end up in the Atlantic based on numbers. We figured that out. But, again, you had these oddities to it, and the 10 makes a lot of sense. The other thing, too, Brad, it seems like you guys went and looked at the entire structure of all sports and said, listen, we can almost take an access ratio mentality to this and say how many regions you need to have because some sports, let's be honest, were completely out of whack in that department as well. Well, probably weren't completely out of whack in their perspective. Well, I think that fair, fair. They were, <laughs> and I think you could use men's lacrosse as an example yeah. of one that, that had a large sponsorship. Again, a growing sport, certainly you know exponentially, maybe not quite as much as women's lacrosse over the last fair. 10 years, but but certainly on the men's lacrosse side, a significant growth in areas of the country that typically were not lacrosse, you know, hotbed. True. So people were kind of shoehorned in different areas, yeah. and geography became paramount when you start thinking about, you know, access to the championship. And I know that the men's lacrosse group had had extensive conversations as a committee trying to determine how to move away from the two, but but they hadn't done it. So clearly when we started, you know, we said, okay, it, this, this was the way I looked at it, and, and it may be different from the subcommittee's viewpoint. Many of others may have looked at it a different way. But I said, look, we've got compression problems with the larger sports. Let's try to figure out a way to solve that. We came up with a 10. And then we said to ourselves, well, let's try to prescribe some tiered system mm-hmm. where if the sponsorship is within this, this number, then you would have the ability to be within these, this number of regions. And, and it just made sense because what it did then – 
is it gave us the flexibility in certain sports to talk about, well, you know, their numbers, this I'll use, I'll use a great example of women's golf, women's golf's sponsorship number. And again, I I don't have the material in front of me is let's say it's 230 institutions that sponsor women's golf. Mm -hmm. So initially we came forward with like a six region model, initially looking at that based on how they were doing their business now. And then the committee said, hey, wait a second. You know, it's really not 240 or whatever that number is. It's really like 185 because they're looking at the institutions that are meeting sports sponsorship requirements to be considered for selection. So it really isn't 240 or 30 or whatever the number is. It's really like 185 or 190 mm. institutions. So we, we don't think six is the right number yet. So we worked in conjunction with their committee. Uh, they were very um, – uh, conscious of the fact that we were ha- we had this project going on. And in the end, we ended up adopting a five-region model, working with women's golf to, to try to make that happen. Same thing happened in women's lacrosse. You know, the growth numbers were there. We felt like it meant seven regions. Women's lacrosse initially had come forward on their own, working on their own regional uh, realignment with mm-hmm. a six-region model. And after discussions between the two groups, um, the uh, the women's lacrosse group came came forward with the commissioner's recommendation for seven, knowing that it's kind of going back to my point of why I started the, this portion of the conversation is to say, <laughs> knowing that growth yeah. is something that may continue in that sport, let's go ahead and put ourselves in a position to where we're not going to be doing the seven region model two years from now. Sure, let's figure out a way that we can do it now. So yes, it it has provided some flexibility in sports and provided this this script. Yes. To say if you're in this in the sponsorship range, then this is the the number of regions that you need to be looking at. And if you're over this number, it goes to ten. Yeah. And it kind of just makes you do that. And um, and I hope that that's in the end, if it if it makes its way through the the system the way I hope it will, that um, that 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 will be something that the committees will just you know know or uh, is a is a requirement as a part of how they need to handle their business related to regions and, uh, and, and move in that direction if their sponsorship numbers dictate it. Yeah, it definitely gives a guideline that we, we technically didn't have. Committees were kind of up on their own, which I think That's is right. where men's lacrosse, as you point out, kind of got stuck with 250-some-odd schools in, in two sure. regions. They, they felt stuck as it grew westward. Um, anyway, we, we could dive into that in a whole other conversation, but we don't need to now. Um, Agreed. A couple of yeah. things we could, we could break out of what you just said. First off, let me ask – this is about a year and a half process, as I best understand it, from start to now. Um, yep. Obviously, not finished. We'll get to that in a moment. But did you guys go and talk to every single committee to some degree to gauge from them the pluses and minuses of changing, or whether it's increasing or decreasing, whatever the case may be, changing what they're what they've got in place now? We um, to answer your question, no, we did not go to each committee directly. Uh, fundamentally within the committee structure with all the committee members and have an open discussion about it. Uh, we did purposefully uh, have a number of interactions. One was with the chairs mm-hmm. uh, this September. Once we felt like we really had the puzzle pieces together, uh, the puzzle wasn't totally complete, but we presented to the championships uh, meeting and the championships committee meeting uh, with the sport chairs in September. And then between September and the middle of November, uh, pretty much October to November, we actually uh, we had a, we had a conference call with every liaison within the NCAA office staff handling Division Three sport and the chair of the committee. 
so we walked through a list of questions that we had. We presented our proposal for the sport. Uh, we listened to things that were obvious in our proposal that needed to be changed. Perhaps we had a independent member that had joined a league or mm-hmm. the league number that we had a sponsorship number was off by one or, mm-hmm. you know, there is, there's still some of that dust left to settle, I think in the proposal, but for the most part, um, we took their feedback. Uh, we listened to them. Some of those results were women's lacrosse conversations mm-hmm. were, um, the women's golf conversation. All of that came out of, uh, those individual meetings that we had with the chairs and the liaisons. And then we took that information together, kind of filtered it through our, you know, way of thinking about the, the proposal in, in, in and of itself, our, our idea of what the fundamentals were, the proposal, and determine whether, you know, concerns that may have been expressed by the chairs and or the liaisons were of value uh, in, in our world enough to change the way uh, that we wanted to move forward. And again, we were trying to do this with a broad brush approach. And clearly, if you get into the nuances of each sport, yeah. even related to a competitive balance within regions, we knew we were going to be right back where the group was in 2011 or 2012 right. and not and not being able to make the change. Just because it, it, there comes a point in time where you, you know you're <laughs> – if you're gonna if you're gonna apply these principles, you need to do it consistently right. consistently across the board. If you start making exceptions for one, then yeah. then you've really you opened then, up you, Pandora's yeah, box. You're, you're right back to <laughs> you're right back to where we probably yeah. were before. Yeah. Well, and, and you kind of help segue beautifully here because the next conversation I know is some tough sports and and football. I think is one that's a little bit of a challenge for you guys uh, or in general. And and I think men's across too had this challenge. To some degree, if you if this moves forward, football looks like it would grow, and I'm guesstimating a little bit with here, but to about six regions instead of the four. And I think there would be legitimate concerns that there would be teams who now come to the quote-unquote table when it comes to selection times and such that would never be there in a general sense. And we can use lacrosse, for example. You know, They're, they're buried behind uh, really good teams in, let's say, the South region. Now they're at the table um, in those conversations, and people would say, well, geez, that's going to get them selected when normally they wouldn't for an at-large, or it's going to get them this, or it's going to get them that, whatever the case may be. I'm sure those are concerns, rightly or wrongly, that a sport like football would have, because they don't even, if they go to six regions, as you know, they don't even have six at-large bids. <laughs> They're less than right. that. Yeah, how, do you, sure. how do you balance, though, the uniquenesses of some sports like that per the, as you said, broad broad stroke approach of trying to get everybody on the same page. Uh, I think it's very difficult to do. And um, I know that even as the proposal is kind of propelling its way through the, through the structure, th- there will be concerns that will be expressed um, by conferences. There may be concerns expressed by sport committees that I hope uh, it's my hope that, that the championships committee and I'll have another, I have a year on the committee and I'm gone from the council, my council service. Uh, we'll we'll have the, um, the we'll be open enough to uh, to consider uh, in anything that comes from a sport committee related to how this may not work for them. So if you use football for an example, and I think one of the one of the principles, uh, the the values of what we were looking to do this in was better balancing the regions in numbers, trying to create a scenario. And I think you talked about it a little bit earlier in basketball, where each region's ranking the same number mm-hmm. of teams as best as possible. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and understanding that, you know, if we grew football from one to the other, 
there's no guarantee that every region gets an at-large. Mm-hmm. And I think if you go back and look at the selections last year, a large majority of the uh, of the extra bids, uh, of the Pool C bids, may have come from you know a, a one one specific region or a couple regions. So I, I think the idea of having more people on the table was not unappealing um, to to some of my colleagues of saying, hey, you know, maybe we're going to be in a situation where we actually have a chance to, you know, have a, have a team on the table that, you know, are they going to get selected in the end? Maybe not, but they may be a part of the conversation. And I think you, 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 you kind of touched a little bit on the idea of well, what, is, what does that really mean? Mm-hmm. Well, that means that somebody might be ranked in a region that typically hadn't been ranked. So right. now you're getting versus regionally ranked opponents. Well, yeah. that's a, that's a geographic region that probably needed to be there. And it's okay if they're playing a ranked team that traditionally may not have been ranked before. I mean, that that's going to be part of what happens in this eight to 10 kind of idea, this four to six idea. But in the end, when you're, when you're on the board, that doesn't mean that you're in any better shape to be selected than anybody else that's on the board. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that matters if you're the third ranked team in a region versus the fifth ranked team in a region. That ultimately, once you're on the table, and this is my understanding of the way those committees work, and I worked in football for four years and chaired it for two, that everybody's equal once they're on the board. And it doesn't really matter that you're the third-ranked team in the South versus the fifth-ranked team in the, in the East. If the fifth-ranked team in the East and everybody above them has gone, and maybe it was an AQ, is better than the third-ranked team in the South, they're going to get in mm-hmm. and vice versa. So I don't. I'm not sure that that's a reason to to to, to be concerned about uh, this concept. Now, are there more people to, to discuss? Um, does it bog down the committee's work? I, mean, I think those were concerns that we heard. Are there more people in the room making decisions? Because yeah. in sports that are going from eight to ten, they'll have two more committee members. Right. Well, I'm I'm not sure that's a bad thing. Right. Um, and I think it's just a matter of uh, whether you looked at it as half empty or half, you know, half full. You know, I, I would say two more two more sets of eyes may 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 help you make a better decision than cloud the conversation and prevent and, and, and prevent you from making uh, sure. the, the decision that eight would have made. So I, I think it just depends on the way you look at it. Uh, we, we can f- go further down the football hole, but I, I almost feel like I want to let the football colleagues handle that. But you, obviously, being on the football committee, you guys certainly appreciated a sport like football that has that unique scenario. I, I and But again, you're trying to go at a, an approach here that goes, we can't have specifics for everyone or it won't work. That said, right. that said can there be an opening for specifics that football comes to the table and goes, listen, at six, we don't feel this is really going to work. Can we have an exception to stay at four or any other sport? Is that ability out there for them, or do they need to adapt to, if this gets fully passed, do they need to adapt to the new to the new process? Well, I, I can't tell. I couldn't tell you now whether that's, that, that's yes or no. I, I think my answer to that question would be yes, that I don't okay. think that there's uh, – the, the championships committee hasn't said anything – to any committee to say, hey, uh, come come back to us and tell us uh, yes or no. But if a committee is um, interested enough to want to, um, you know, ha- that has a concern that believes that their their rationale uh, supersedes the the, mm-hmm. the fundamental reasons why the the, the 
you know, the realignment may be moving forward, then, you know, they're more than welcome to bring that forward. I okay. don't think that's, uh, that's not something that, uh, that, that the committee is going to prevent from happening. And, sure. and that's, that's bad business, in my opinion. I mean, sure. there may be something that, uh, that our group and that the championships committee in this process is just missed. But, but looking at it from the reasoning why we did it originally, I, I believe, and I, I don't want to speak for my colleagues on the, on the committee that, that just reviewed it, but I think there was a commitment of understanding to say this is a good thing. And, and, and we, I would say this to you, in, in all of the conversations that we've had with the chairs and the liaisons, you know, a majority of the opinions, percentage of responses have been very positive, okay. like, this is great. We're moving in this direction. You know, we've had several sport committees that just were like, thank you. You know, we needed somebody to kind of, not, not that we figured it out. You know, we've had, I'll use volleyball as an example. They've already figured out that they were going to, to, to 10 regions for their award structure mm. just, because, just because of sponsorship, yeah. you know, and who, how many they had in certain regions and how could they better balance that opportunity for their, for their award winners. Um, one of the other things that I failed to mention earlier when I said that we had talked with the liaisons and the chairs, we also communicated with the um, executive directors um, of all the coaches associations. Okay. So we, so we wrote a letter uh, giving them an idea that at Vision 3 level, this is something that we were exploring. It may be something that's discussed at your coaches' convention uh, because the NCAA does send liaisons to those meetings. Sure. Um, it, one of the other sports that I bring up to you as well, and maybe you're heading this, down this path, Tennis is one that, um, <laughs> that right now we're, we're kind of in a holding pattern with because we proposed uh, eight regions for tennis, and, and we believe based on their sponsorships that that's the way it should be. And if you follow tennis at all, you understand how tennis works. Even on the rack, you don't have your own conference rep on the rack. Right. You, you share that. Some, some leagues share that with another, with another yep. league. And, you know, I, I, I certainly always kind of questioned that. I wondered why that was. But as I've started to peel the layers back on the <laughs> tennis conversation, I, I never knew, and none of us knew this. So one of the things we avoided was, hey, let's avoid putting our foot in the, you know, dipping our toe in the water <laughs> in sports where they're determining bids based on regional alignment. Right. Wrestling just went through a regional alignment that was that was painstaking yeah. over the last, you know, within the last five years. It, it like, took multiple years to come up with where they were. Of course, they take bids out of their region. Cross country's the same. Um, and, and they are looking at their region. We were aware of that. Nobody knew this, and I, and I can say from the commissioner's perspective, had enough awareness related to tennis to know when we started down that path that their individual and their doubles advancing into the, to the national you know, singles and doubles tournament right. um, actually come from the region. Yeah. So there's AQs out of that. They're, they're at-larges that come out of each region, and I was, you know, none of us knew that. So we had a very uh, good discussion with the tennis chairs and said, look, they said, look, this doesn't mean we can't do it. This just means we need to think about how we're selecting going from four to eight. Sure. And maybe there's a different way for us to do it, and we'd like to work with you guys to figure it out. Yeah. Because I don't think anybody argued that the eight was bad, but that was another sport that, you know, when you start talking about nuances and, and things that come across the, the table, you know, yeah, it's worth conversation, you know. And, uh, and I think that's where we are with tennis now is we kind of put them on hold to say this is what we want. And, and I think 
you're going to have a chance to discuss this and come back to the table to figure out a way we can make it work. Yeah, tennis so. is a, a very different beast. You, you, even my tell when my water, me tipping the toe in the water has learned that it's it's a you know with bracketing. Tennis is just a different <laughs> world altogether. It is. It's um, probably similar and it's probably similar with football to some degree. I mean, they're 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 probably from a competitive standpoint, at least from looking at football from the outside and having looked at it from the inside. You know, they're. There are, uh, you know, a handful of programs every year mm-hmm. that you see um, in the standings, that you see in the rankings, that you see advancing to the semifinals yeah. and the finals. It, they, 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 both of those sports, and there may be others, certainly uh, are, appear to be dominated uh, by, by a smaller percentage of the membership than, than other sports do from a qualification and, uh, sure. and obviously contending for a national championship. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Um, I'm taking a good amount of time. I'll wrap up with a couple quick questions. One, where does this actually stand now in the process? Because as I understand it, this isn't necessarily a legislative thing. It's not like we're going to maybe see this in January, but I'd love to have it confirmed on what exactly. It's passed the championships committee. What's really the next step to making this, quote unquote, a done deal? This would go to the council uh, as an independent, uh, as an um, informational item, just as an action item that the committee took to endorse the right. policy or the uh, or the proposal that was presented uh, from the commissioners group. And we've been working in conjunction with the obviously with the championship uh, chairs and the liaisons as a part of it. And the the formal piece of the um, uh, proposal that would need to be approved by the membership would be in the budget priorities that uh, sure. the championships committee identify for 2021, which is the implementation date that we were looking uh, to have this done and this, this time frame of, of implementation, which means it does have a budget connotation. It does have a budget impact uh, because you're adding people to these national committees that, you know, there's a prescribed amount per head that they believe a committee member uh, spins in a, in a year with travel and attendance at, at right. committee meetings and at the championship. So that there will be a budget impact, whether that's a, a, a legislated item that's voted on on the floor in January or whether that's part of non-controversial legislation um, that's just passed through the council. I, I'm not sure what the procedure would be because I haven't, again, we haven't gotten that far yet. Okay. Uh, and, and by the way, you're saying 2021. We should point out, I think, that's academic year 2020-2021. That. That's right, not the actual year 2021 at the very end? Or... That's right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 20, 2020, 2021, yeah, we that's have right, academic year. Got a weird year coming up in that sense, yeah. no. uh, <laughs> the way you, we all right. say it. It's been a long time since 1919. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I don't think any of us were alive to hear this. No, that. no, no, no. I feel like it sometimes, yeah, but no, I, I, I hear I made it that long. Um, Brad, I appreciate the in-depth conversation about this. We always get great uh, intel about this from you, and I appreciate it. I know I know you have done a lot of work with this with Steve Ulrich. So, uh, again, we can go deep into the rabbit hole on this more, and, and I don't think we need to do it now. We can wait a little bit longer. Um, but I appreciate the time you gave us. Uh, any final things that you think need to be stressed um, that people need to understand about this process, whether it's basketball or all sports, before we let you go? Yeah, I think it goes back to the reasons why we, we started the conversation. One, it, it was a clear need. Uh, it was identified within the commissioner's group that we felt like we needed to move in this direction. And this is somewhere where we could contribute. And the bottom line is we, we tried to do this in a balanced way, in an equitable way, in an efficient way uh, for our committees to work, and, and, and primarily dealing with geography mm-hmm. and, and identifying when we, when we did grow regions to identify areas that, you know, from a geographic standpoint, 
All of our institutions are focused on finances. I don't know a single institution in the country, probably always have been, even more so now. Uh, and travel and who you're being compared to should be a true regional comparison. Mm-hmm. And when we, when, we, when we grew the numbers, we tried to make sure that we were balancing those numbers from an efficiency perspective and a fairness perspective for rankings. Uh, and, and we also wanted to do that in a geographic, uh, in a sensible, in a sensible geographic uh, um, uh, frame, framework, too. And, sure. uh, and, I, and I think we did that. I do believe we accomplished that. And that, is there a better way to skin the cat? There might be. Um, <laughs> But but at this point in time, I, I'm not sure that the commissioners have that uh, have that answer. That's all right. We got ten more years. We'll we'll skin the cat again if we yeah. have to. <laughs> yeah, that, well, we, it probably won't be the last time it's discussed. No. I can assure you that. No, we yeah, it, that's right. We seem to have a cycle with this. Uh, but D, it's because <laughs> D3 grows. I mean, that's ultimately that's the reason. Sports are growing in D3, especially like a sport like lacrosse, as you point out, because it's turning out to be kind of the the altar to football in terms of numbers. So. You know, it, it's growing, and, and it thus it becomes a conversation uh, every few years. So, Brad, thanks right. uh, thanks for the time, especially on a busy weekend. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you sometime down the road. Dave, thank you very much, and uh, appreciate your coverage of this. And uh, good luck with everything as basketball kind of wraps up here. Thank you. Appreciate it. Brad Bankston, again, commissioner of the ODAC, member of the Ch- uh, management council, and thus sits on the championships committee as well, joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. So there you go. There was our conversation with Brad Bankston uh, earlier today. Again, could have edited it to at least remove the uh, glitch at the beginning. Uh, could have edited it down, but also good information from Brad. Appreciated the time he took on what is a busy, very busy weekend. Talk about that. There's plenty to talk about. This isn't getting really implemented until 2020, 2021. Um, and we can talk about more of it and how that's going to be affected, how sports may or may not implement some of the aspects. But I like that there's a guideline now in place. We can at least understand as, as sports grow or even contract maybe. Uh, I didn't get into that with Brad Bankston, but that, that there's something in place that can allows us to understand how to move. And I'm kind of intrigued with the 10 regions. I think it, it evens things off a little bit to some degree, but a lot to bank on down the road. Going to take a break. When we come back, we will wrap up the show with a good old segment of um, – Guesswork? I I kid. Uh, Ryan Scott and Pat Coleman will join me to talk about, really, as we go into the last week here, teams that we think are on the bubble, teams we think could be in the NCAA tournament, surprise, surprise, maybe teams that host. In other words, we'll answer your questions before we do this really for real as mock selections a week from tonight. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Back with more after this. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. Welcome to the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, home of Blue Gold Athletics. UW-Eau Claire has been ranked a top five regional public university for over 20 years. We graduate champions with the lowest debt and highest return on investment in the Midwest. Blue Gold Athletics is a Director's Cup top 20 Division III program offering 22 sports with almost 700 student athletes. UW-Eau Claire is about excellence in the classroom, the field of competition, and the community. Are you the next Blue Gold? My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, 
a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this a special extended edition of the show here on Sunday. Again, thanks to Brad Bankston for coming on for a little bit of a different topic, but timely since that just got passed by the championships committee. It will move on. It's got a couple other hurdles to get through. We'll see where it develops. Uh, first time in show's history, not counting a marathon show. where We've gotten through all eight regions. I want to thank all our guests. We'll officially do that at the end of the show, but fun to do that tonight. Thank all of you for coming on, and I want to thank my voice for holding out. Um, we are going to wrap up the show. We're going to go a little longer than I think I expected, mainly because of the Bankston interview. Um, but we've got a, a little bit more to talk about. A reminder, we'll be on the air Thursday. Really don't know what we're going to do with the show because I think I'm going to kind of throw it up in the air and see where it falls instead of being segmented directly into one type of uh, regions and stuff. But Sunday show, a week from tonight, we'll be on the air making mock selections, deciding who we think by criteria and all of that, think get into the NCAA um, uh, tournaments for both the men's and the women's albeit considering upsets. So to give a sense of that, normally on Sundays we bring Ryan Scott in, we talk about um, uh, the top 25, do a little bit of a double take. We could talk top 25, but I think it's more interesting to talk about who may be in and who may not be, or who's really in danger as we head into the bulk of the conference tournaments now. So joining me on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline via Skype, it is Ryan Scott, also Pat Coleman from D3Hoops.com. Guys, appreciate it as always. Um, Hello. First and foremost, Yo. I think week two's regional rankings, if you didn't get the memo in week one, week two drove home, I think, the fact that, hey, yes, that SOS, on the men's side, that SOS win-loss metric tool, whatever you want yeah. to call it, has certainly seemed to be put aside. I, I'm not saying that you don't have some things there that drive a team higher like a good SOS. But that metric, that tool, has certainly been put aside. Amherst went from 11 to 1. And I, in part, not because of that metric, but because of other factors. Right. Uh, I think that uh, we've talked about this many different ways over the course of the past several weeks. I have been trying to liken it to people this way. It used to be that you could cash in 
some of your SOS to take some losses off of your record. And now there's just no longer that exchange rate. And that's what, and that's what we're seeing. Yeah. I, I did really enjoy the, uh, the, the Northeast ranking with the Amherst uh, going all the way to the top. They obviously did a lot during the week oh, to, sure. uh, to, to make that happen too. Uh, uh, but I, that was, uh, I I can't imagine the last time we saw anybody go from like, you know, the bottom of a regional ranking to the top of a regional ra- ranking is probably about 1999. And uh, again, you and I could probably guesstimate as to which uh, committee chairs team made that leap yeah, back in the day. Well, I can get there. Well, really quick too. Their SOS jumped like 40, 50 points. Yeah. Uh, as you said, you know, play, beating, uh, what was it? Uh, Williams and Middlebury um, and, and kind of Westland. Oh, right. Thank you. And, and completing that helped them. So you got a bunch of results versus regionally ranked just lumped in there. And so yeah. their resume took a huge jump. And again, that's the NESCAC advantage because they're not playing the double round robin. They would have already had those games technically in the bag earlier on, which may have maybe they would have been higher, to be honest. Well, I mean, two of the teams they played were Williams and Wesleyan, and they played them twice anyway. So true. I, it, that's Good not point. as much a NESCAC thing. It's just in the Good fact point. that the. Amherst doesn't play a very strong non-conference schedule mm-hmm. and there a lot of their, so that means their schedule is pretty backloaded. If they do well in February, then they're going to look good. Fair point. Ryan, are, are you also been go ahead. winning those games? I was just to say, they've also been winning their regionally ranked games. You know, they're six and three. That's, that's pretty telling. Right. Yeah. That's important. Listen, we <laughs> talk, Pat, I know you've been chatting about it recently. I, I've been off the boards again, trying to recover, but Results versus regionally ranked opponents is is a very wide scoping conversation. It's not just wins. It is yeah. kind of what you did with losses to, to some degree, but it's that overall resume. And, and Ryan, you hinted at it that we thought this might get a little bit more of a boost back into the conversation, and, and we may be seeing it. A little hard to say, but I think we're seeing it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it, it definitely comes into play more when we get down to selection time. When you've got the teams on the board, um, it seems like comparing those regionally ranked results happens a lot more um, when you're comparing across regions. Within regions, you know it's you know which conferences have a lot of teams ranked, so those schools are going to have you know a lot of games. Yeah, and within your regional ranking too, you're more often to ha- likely to have a lot of common opponents or even head-to-head that's going to help separate as well. You're, right. you're right, Ryan. It really is where uh, it comes into effect is in these Pool C decisions when we're talking about teams from across regions. Um, I feel like we're going to backtrack a little bit. For people who have watched Hoopsville for forever, I'm going to say something that we've said a lot. But uh, as Dave just mentioned, it's not record against regionally ranked opponents. It's results <laughs> against regionally ranked opponents. And it might be that you're better off being 3-6 and six against regionally ranked opponents than and being one and one or even one and oh having more regionally ranked opponents is better uh it's not winning percentage and having uh you know a, a result against teams that are higher in a regional ranking rather than the teams that are you know eight or nine or ten or eleven in the case of uh, some regions is uh it, it's better to have that high uh, result against a higher ranked team because they look at that. You have to look at that sort of thing. You can't just take this sort of stuff and boil it down to one number. It doesn't make sense to make a, a big decision like a pool C bid based on something like that. You're you're I mean, I think Loris is in pretty close to lock at this point anyway, but having <laughs> wins over Nebraska Wesleyan and Augustana certainly <laughs> trumps, <laughs> yeah. you know, anybody that being compared to early on. 
Yeah, and, I mean, obviously, if they had won those two and let's say had eight losses, uh, especially right. to lower ranked, that might be where that changes it. But you're right. And, you know, we t- we always have this conversation of go out there and strengthen your schedule. Understand that it may cause you to take some losses. That isn't the end of the world if you strengthen the schedule, especially if you're in a bad conference. Make sure you just take care of conference business. It's those, and I think, you know, there's some who I think go too far in that conversation, beef up their conference, their SOS so far that they take a ton of losses. And that's where I think this year might get a little bit interesting. They, they almost maybe have been rewarded in the past. They may overcompensate, though it's still a little early to really make that judgment. Right. I mean, obviously, there's nobody now who's going to take more than one loss between now and Selection Sunday. We're into conference tournament play for right. everybody. So so that has uh, that has some effect on it. Um, you know, I think the teams that are sitting at, you know, La- lacrosse, which entered this week at 15 and eight against Division three, you know, is probably uh, I just don't know. That's probably the kind of team we're talking about. Right. Uh, there's somebody who has not been. uh you know, has not been shying away, but hasn't been necessarily winning. And we look at the outlier of the selection of UW Oshkosh as an at-large bid two years ago. Now it seems like that is even more of an outlier. It, we, I went back and read what we wrote about that back in 2017, and yeah. Kevin Vandestreek said, we may look back at that and say that committee was, I forget what the specific term was what nuts or something along those lines um and I, i'm not uh, i'm not too sure that uh, he wasn't right in that reassessment ryan well, i know you have an example on that hang on because i know we got an example per oshkosh that i, I want to get to but i wanted to point out per kevin's point it almost felt like that might have been the tipping point we didn't see it last year except that i think that that maybe pulled back slightly but i do think that that conversation, and to be blunt, a new liaison with the NCAA on the men's side, I think kind of went, whoa, what's going on here? And has brought us to where we are now, where one of the conversations is the NCAA is going, you're using what tool? And and <laughs> I haven't gotten to the bottom of whether the NCAA had approved it in the first place. I'm now hearing conflicting <sighs> reports, but we have the math on record, is but The math is so bad, but right? The, this Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and to be honest, I will say this carefully. I was talking to somebody who is on a rack and has been on a rack for a while about some general stuff, and the comment said to me that was just spouted off without any any request on my part was, oh, yeah, well, you know, they, they told us you can't use that, that SOS thing, da-da-da-da, but, you know, .03 to two games and .045 to to game and a half or two and a half games and, and point one. And he broke down even the smaller side of that. Wow. Yikes. And I, I was driving at the time. And my, and my first thought <laughs> trying was trying to take notes. First thought was don't go off the road. My second thought was, thank goodness. You know, I, we, we aren't in a conversation that needs to be carefully handled here, but thirdly, they did go too far. Like they went into the minutia that we were hoping yeah. they wouldn't, but clearly they did. And I think that's where we got the Oshkosh and some others, especially in the NESCAC. And, and Ryan, to that point, this year we have one okay. team that we're already thinking is out who has an Oshkosh-like resume from two years ago. So one of the quotes from Kevin Vandestreek in that piece that I went back and read today as well he, you know, at the time, Oshkosh was 16 and 10, and that 10 was what really shocked everybody. 
And he said, if they were 16 and 9, I don't think anyone would bat an eye. So right now, in New England, we yeah, have... Yeah, we all would have, but yeah, maybe still the would've. general fan right. wouldn't have. Right, yeah. right now in New England, we've got Wesleyan sitting at 16 and 9. And their season's <laughs> done. They lost in the first round of the NESCAC tournament. Um, so they're a half game better than that Oshkosh team was. And their SOS is actually uh, 10 points better. They're sitting at 616 right now. And they don't even have the NESCAC bump. Their non-conference SOS was so good, the NESCAC actually brought it down. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Shouldn't yeah, play in the NESCAC. Seven against regionally ranked opponents. I mean, that's the kind of resume that's really going to be a challenge. Both, I mean, this Wednesday when we see the third regional ranking even to see where they end up. They were behind Gordon and Eastern Connecticut. Right. Gordon lost twice this week. Eastern Connecticut lost once. Um, it'll be real interesting to see where they end up with that resume right now. Well, that's the one thing about teams that lose in the NESCAC quarterfinals is they get their uh, they get their resume check on Wednesday when that next regional rankings comes out. Um, exactly. You remember about Wesleyan too is you know even though this isn't something that's necessarily uh, part of the uh, official criteria is Wesleyan's at this point has now lost five games out of six. If you've got somebody on your rack or enough people on your rack who are, you know, the people who look at the last quarter of the schedule or whatever, whether that's official, officially a thing or not, that is something that does not work very well for Wesleyan right now. And I don't think we get a 16 and nine at large team, regardless of how good the schedule is. And it is, it is a really good schedule. Of course, also because you play Williams and Amherst as non-conference teams when you're Wesleyan. Well, I would say this, Obviously, they were ninth in the regional rankings, and, and a yep. loss isn't going to necessarily propel them upwards. Yes, Gordon's lost ahead of them. They had a horrible week, Eastern Connecticut. But they're going to get buried behind you know their, their own, who are adding games to their resume while Williams is not. Now, Middlebury also lost. They're probably in, and they've done that in the past, where they lost in the quarterfinals and got in. Um, and, and no surprise, I think Middlebury's in a better position. But first off, I, I totally disagreed with Kevin when he said 16-9. and nine. Uh, wouldn't bat an eye. I remember disagreeing with them then. I just—I mean, they had a six thirty winning percentage. I would have made it what six forty? No, right, exactly. That still would have had the floor. Issue. The floor was six sixty seven. We had been right. told the floor was six sixty seven for years. So right. that just like burst through the floor. Yeah, yeah. that destroyed the floor. Yeah. Um, and and to to that point of Wesleyan though, they aren't doing anything to improve anything but that SOS. And now we're in a conversation where that, as you said, Pat, you can't cash in on the SOS to, to drag that nine to say five or four. And now those extremes of the SOS, what I remember a couple of years ago when I wrote the, the uh, conversation about Lancaster Bible, instead of having that straight line of 0.03 to, to two games, it needed to be more like a bell curve. And, and yes, in the middle, maybe you make adjustments, but on the, on the ends, it, it needs to just be left alone. It's too far off outside the norms that is way too far outside the norms, and they've yeah. lost nine games against it. I, I, I don't know how you can justify them getting in. And it, it, By the way, it's the same argument I made with Oshkosh when they did get in. In this sense, I don't think we have to be too concerned about uh, no. Wesleyan getting in. I think uh, I think it's a it's a four team. It's probably a four team NESCAC with uh, uh, whatever order you want to put them in: Hamilton, <laughs> Amherst, Williams, and and Middlebury. Yeah. Uh, unless Tufts, you know, then runs the table and wins the conference uh, automatic bid. Yeah, that'd be the way to get a fifth in. I got a, <laughs> got a question from somebody talking about Worcester men. They're sitting in the third spot in the current Great Lakes regions. Again, we'll get one more public, not public, but 
um, well, public rankings. Yeah. We'll get the final ones public, but not before the brackets release is what I'm trying to get at. They're sitting in the third hole. Question is, what do they need to do to secure maybe a, a hosting opportunity the first weekend of the tournament? Obviously, being in the top well, two helps, but you know that's tricky. Yeah. That that Great Lakes is a jam packed. Granted, Capital is going to come down. Yeah, uh, Capital and, and Marietta both lost. Uh, Capital, of course, sorry, Capital lost on Saturday. Marietta Twice. didn't. That's a it's a three way tie for a uh, three way tie for first in the OAC. But I, I think that if Worcester wins the conference uh, automatic bid, that they're in a good position to host. Here's another thing too: is that every once in a while, Worcester picks up a hosting opportunity because. They're fairly centrally located. Um, That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? You and I, uh, Ryan, who deal with the map on Selection Sunday night, Monday morning, know all this stuff. It, you can get a whole lot of teams to Worcester. But I think that Worcester uh, is in a good position to qualify just based on merits yeah. if they win out. Um, you know, somebody, not only, of course, Capital and uh, Marietta, and you mentioned uh, losses already, um, which we'll see in the next ranking, and one of them is going to lose again. Um, if Worcester runs the table, I think Worcester probably does host, and I don't think anybody bats an eye at it. I think that's a perfectly legitimate selection. Matt Snyder has them 19th overall right now. Um, so if you're talking about top 16 hosting, that's not far off, and there's a whole bunch of games still to be played. So it, it's yeah. very reasonable. Just don't lose. <laughs> well, this will be, and uh, you mentioned that's the first time we've really mentioned the computer rankings right here. This will be a really interesting year for the for the computer rankings because. You know the the selection process has changed with the numbers not getting cashed in the way they were before. It'll be really interesting to see how this stuff pans out. Um, and while I think we have relied fairly heavily on the math to at least start our conversation in the past, I think it can still be the starter for the conversation. Oh, sure. But I'm not sure that you know further down the uh, down the list it's going to be as accurate as it had been in the past. Well, right, and that's. I mean, the committee, the last couple of years has been pretty overt in saying they tried to get the 16 best teams as hosts as much as they could, you know, where geography didn't play a and part. And they're still and saying I think, that. I think at the top of the rankings, it's a lot easier to use the computers than it is when we get down to the pool C selections and, and some of those bubble teams. Well, yeah. and, and the other curveball here, thanks to Amherst going from 11 to 1, um, we do have the women-men scenario, and we should remind everybody once again that in Odd years, the women have priority in the opening weekend. Even years, the men have priority. I'm sorry, in the opening weekend, I should say. Men now also have priority the second weekend. They basically flip it. Amherst probably won't host. That said, I said at the beginning of the show, Amherst women could likely lose in the conference tournament and fall out of a hosting opportunity because, you know, they haven't been the best of the NESCAC. So there is a little bit of gray area there. But you have some other teams, um, quickly off the top of my head, Pat, you can correct me if I'm wrong here. But St. Thomas, UW Oshkosh um, would be someone t- uh, teams where the men's team might get booted. Of course, St. Thomas might not be in position to host right now anyway no. after uh, picking up and a couple of losses in a row. Didn't the Oshkosh women lose this week too? Uh, they did. Yeah, uh, but I think the they're Oshkosh in a better spot. Are, yeah, they're still going to get that automatic bid presumably. And they were uh, – They're sitting too. You know, they were – they're, yeah, they were sitting at two coming into the week. I suspect they probably are still in that position yeah. uh, when when things when the dust settles. So that um, can, but that can throw yeah. a curveball into some of this, Pat. You know, and that top sixteen that Ryan talks about is going to have to that that one gets pulled, and we need another host. Right. 
And let's talk about, uh, for people who are uh, interested in following this part of the conversation, what is likely to happen to those teams, right? So uh, in the past, for example, uh, St. Thomas had the same conflict happen in, I think this was 2015, and that mm -hmm. uh, regional was sent off to St. Norbert. Um, you know, where uh, St. Thomas was the top-ranked team in that uh, in that pod, but uh, ended up playing at the home of the number three, basically. I right. think, and I think that that's what you kind of look at. You don't expect it. We don't expect it, and we kind of hope maybe even that it doesn't go to the second best team in a pod because that seems like it's kind of an unfair advantage uh, and an unfair disadvantage for the team that should be hosting. Um, so more likely it goes to the three. And sometimes the team that's kind of the fourth seed in a pod um, is a team that maybe isn't expecting even to get in the tournament. It might be an upset winner of a conference. It might be in a smaller conference and doesn't have the facilities to host. So I kind of think that you look at – you kind of start by looking at the number three team in a pod and that's kind of the, I don't know if it's even the best practice, but I would consider it that way. Yeah. No. I think that's what the committee tries to do. It, it, and they'll still treat that top seed as a top seed. They'll still get the correct matchup as it were. They may not play first. I mean, they may play first instead of second, but right. they'll still get the appropriate team. What the curveball throws in there is I think a team like LaRoche now, should they win out now has an opportunity, by the way, Talk about perfectly geography-based in Pittsburgh. Yeah. You, can, you can get teams to and from very nicely. Um, and, and, and there's going to be a couple of those others that, I don't want to say screwball picks, but the other thing that comes into play, Pat, uh, the islands. Uh, yeah. Texas on the women's side is going to have a bunch of teams. On the men's side could potentially have a number of teams. I don't think we revisit last year's, oh, we didn't put in to bid. Um, and that blows up the whole system. I think we've got bidders there who will, will host. That's going to pull us a host from someone. And, and buckle up. Whitman could go on the road the first weekend because it gives the committee a chance to maybe shake things up. This is assuming maybe Whitworth gets in or they don't have enough teams to send anyway. There's a bunch of what-ifs with the, the hosting that we don't know until we actually see who might be in. Right. It's hard to it is hard to predict some of the stuff until we know who the 64 are. Uh, you know, we when we're talking about Whitworth, uh, we're no longer talking about Whitworth as a lock. Obviously, Whitworth has a <laughs> has to do some stuff. Um, yeah. But, you know, if now what happens if Occidental beats Pomona Pitzer again? Pomona Pitzer might still be pretty good as a as a pool C bid, but um, you sure. could get. Could I know right? You could get SOS, two teams. Their SOS is not good. Ah, uh, that is I so know, true. I mean, <laughs> argument's sake, there's a chance they're there. Yeah, right. I mean, so yeah, they would go. It, it it's tough to go from one loss to three in the course of a couple of weeks and, and uh, still kind of maintain that uh, that gaudy position. So it's not as easy. It's not as easy to get uh, two teams out of SoCal as you might have said if Pomona Pitzer had won on uh, on Saturday evening. And uh, Occidental could then come back and do it later. Yeah, the SOS being below 500 obviously is not helpful for uh, for Pomona <laughs> Pitzer, but they're the only ones who have beaten Whitman. Don't forget, everybody. Right. That's yeah. the one thing right. in their in their favor. Yeah, the, but you talk a little bit more about the about the Whitman thing because it is interesting to think about what might happen if we put them on a plane and sent them. I actually don't know. I ideally, I would love to drop them in like New Hampshire. <laughs> I don't know if I have a host team in New Hampshire. Keen State. Nichols. Is Keen, 
Yeah, they will not be hosting. No, uh, Keen State. Keen State as the uh, three in a pod that holds that holds holds Whitman. It's interesting to think about. I, I don't know how uh, likely that. I mean, is. at the at the very least, you know, if they have to get matched up with Texas or something, we can at least put that pod into an eastern or northeast bracket. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the other question for the bracketing. Is right now our sort of consensus top four teams are all in the western part of the country. Yeah, and. I think knowing Sam and knowing the committee, they are going to try their absolute best to get those split up as much as they can. But there's only so much you can do. <laughs> I would say this: uh, when it comes to Whitman, I think I think the committee will try and make sure they get at least one weekend home. The second weekend is so much up in the air that traveling them out this or trying to book it that way may be tough. That said, you could also create a bracket that is going to force it no matter what. That said. Tried to do that. Right. <laughs> I, I don't love the idea. And we had this on the women's side. Who was it? Is a Penn State school. They got shipped yeah, Penn out State. Northwest in the opening weekend. Yeah, Penn State Abington flew out Abington. to be cannon fodder for George Fox it, in did it 2013-ish. Go well? well, I mean, it, it wasn't supposed well. to go well. Oh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't supposed to go well. No, right? I meant to say that, it didn't that, go over well. That I wonder if sending Whitman all the way to the East Coast... Yeah, would be considered. Yeah, you'd probably. That might uncoached. be a second weekend, unless. You, well, that's where for I'm some reason to. They sent the Marietta a couple reason, years like, ago. I could, I could even see like if Emory had to host, flying them out there, and Emory being the third team in a pod. At least that's a major airport. You're probably not. Whitworth did that a couple labor. years ago. Yeah. yeah. Emory has been used that way uh, previously multiple times. I think uh, second weekend. I mean, <clears throat> Randolph Macon is isolated enough that that could work. If they if they're there, uh, we're making some assumptions here, but yeah, no, and and but back to your other point, Augustana, Nebraska Wesleyan, Oshkosh, that that trio, to try and keep them away from each other as yeah. best as possible. Uh, uh, get ready right now to be maybe somewhat disappointed. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep them all all separated. The, yeah. the one advantage might be Oshkosh men getting bumped. You know, if they can't host, you might get them to some place like Wabash or something, and that would be, enable you to put them in a different bracket. But yeah, it's going to be tough. Maybe. And and you got to remember too, Nebraska Wesleyan is so far west of everybody else in the mainland, so to speak, of Division Three that they're right. practically on an island themselves. True. Yeah. Is there is there teams that? Listen, what I found interesting about the second week rankings that I thought was that jumped out was there are teams like Nichols that would have been buried in the past that have to win to get in. That I think, granted, still have to win to get in, but to some degree, maybe in a better spot. Are there surprising teams to you guys that are in a spot of, you know what? No, you better just go win your conference tournament, as tough as that might be, because I don't think you're getting into this tournament otherwise. And in, in, in years past, that would have been a rubber stamp. Brian, go ahead. Uh, oh, so it's me now. Um, oh, you know, actually, because well, I was going to go, but I figured I would just steal someone you were going to talk about. Um, because the first thing that came to mind was Arcadia. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and that's because you put Arcadia in my head earlier. Yeah. They're, Interesting. well, they have, uh, normally that Commonwealth Conference has a much higher SOS Not than year. what they've got this year. So that's really going to hurt um, when it comes to things. But the other part is um, what the CAC does, because you've got some low winning percentage, high SOS teams like Salisbury and York. And if they get stuck in front of Arcadia, that could be a difficult one. And Arcadia's lost, what, like three out of the last four? It's, it's, it's been a rough week for them. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's only two in a row, but it's two in a row. So you go from it's, 20 and three to 20 and five. And if wow. you don't win, then you're six losses. And that's why I figured that was the first team I would look at kind of on that list. Well, yeah, and, and center's another one that could be on the bubble. You know, they lost this weekend. If they lose another one, that's five losses. Their SOS is okay, but not great. You know, you just don't know. Scranton's the one that jumped out at me this weekend. They're 20 and five currently. You know, they could be 20 and six easily because Drew might beat them for a third straight time. In the past, 20 and six sometimes felt like an okay team to get in. I I think they're I think the landmarks a one bid league unless well no I think it's a one bid league there's period no unless no I don't think there's any unless yeah, yeah I, I mean, think Drew's not think even ranked the, right now we've got the signal that they're buried behind York Salisbury and Mary Wash in last week's regional rankings of course plus Christopher Newport but um, though those are three teams that have lower winning percentages than Scranton who are, who were sitting ahead of them last week I think that's the indicator that we would see that uh, means that Scranton probably belongs on this list also yeah. I wonder too if I don't mind uh, jumping ahead how about Wabash. Wabash was looking great, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, you look at them as eight in the Great Lakes entering the week. Um, You know, if they can't, uh, you know, get one of these, they have to beat, uh, I forget now, I I don't have my NCAC bracket in front of me. Do they have to beat both Wittenberg and Worcester to get out? I believe so. I think so. Yeah. So the other one is they've got two wins that don't count. That's another right. thing to be looking at, that Wabash has two wins that don't count, um, which is really going to hurt them in this process. It is true. Wabash is a program that's never had to worry about this. It's true. It's very yeah. true. Um, quickly on the women's side, Pat, one thing that jumped out at me in the South, because a question got raised to me off air, you know, can the ASC get t- three teams in? They mentioned East Texas Baptist, who's not currently ranked, but ETBU is capable of certainly going through there. The South is insane on the women's side because potentially, let's say, just off craziness, ETBU goes ahead and wins that conference. So ETBU, Mary Harden, Baylor, and Texas Dallas probably all legitimately in the NCAA tournament. You also probably bring in at least Trinity, Texas, or Austin. I don't think you can bring in both. So now you've got four teams in Texas, plus, you know, you got Emory and Henry and Emory sitting also in the South region that could come in, barring another upset like a Millsaps or an Oglethorpe or somebody who also – all of a sudden – Well, and Millsaps and Oglethorpe – remember, Millsaps and Oglethorpe are in a separate conference too, so they don't have to get through the Texas teams to get into the tournament. Right. So Yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, there is, um, and bracketing-wise, God, I really wouldn't want to see four Texas teams in the same pod, but uh, football guy – uh, I'd like to point out uh, that ASC playing in the first weekend is not that surprising a thing. Uh, no, that is certainly true. <laughs> I would be interested to see what happens if if there are four Texas teams in, because I think still you're going to have island teams elsewhere that you might true. then be still be able to pull Sorry, out I- one of those Texas teams and, and throw them at the wall somewhere um, and see what sticks. Uh, you know, Mary Harden Baylor is kind of in the eastern portion of Texas and UT Dallas is kind of in the eastern Mill portion. Of, right, exactly. That's what I'm getting at. Millsaps is a possible... Uh, without having the mapping software in front of me, that's a possible uh, site to put those uh, some of those Texas teams. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, Pat. Is is in back to the hosting conversation? The committees yeah. have shown 
maybe more in the second weekend, but in the first weekend especially, if they need to use somebody to make the geography work, they will oh, yeah. use somebody to make the geography work. A Millsaps, Oglethorpe, Rhodes has always been used to well, get teams out of Texas and then fly the Texas team somewhere else, case in point, they could send them to George Fox. Well, you've got, I mean, if that's the case and you have four Texas teams in, you've got Northwest Conference, the SCIAC, the SAA, you'd only need one extra flight. You could do two hosts in Texas and have two pods down there. That's true, too. Yeah. <laughs> that's true, yeah, because... Yeah. You know, no, uh, nobody is lined up right now to host out of the Northwest Conference. George Fox wow. is there if Wartburg stumbles. Um, but yeah, that's a very that's a very good point. You could take your uh, you take your one Northwest team and you take your one SoCal team and you got to fly them somewhere. Um, you know, they could do the obvious thing, I guess, and fly them to St. Paul uh, because at least this year they won't be matching up the University of Chicago and St. Thomas in the first weekend like they have however many years that is in a row now. <laughs> Hey, not as bad as Montclair versus Regis. No, I know, but they're both bad, and it's <laughs> no, both the same committee, as you know. Oh, I agree yeah. entirely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, that's what's going to be interesting. Third week regional rankings, I think, will finally really give everybody a sense of where everything stands. Um, I, I And a reminder, it only is based on week twos for regional uh, VRRO data. Um, they don't go into the two-week thing until the very last rankings. When you... Uh, here's the interesting thing. We talked all about the changes on the men's side. They're essentially doing what the women have been doing. Right. They're kind of just backing or they're kind of undoing. They're doing a, they're going back to the system restore point from like 2014 yes. or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's kind well of what put. this is. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to unapply that patch that we put on back right. in whatever year that was. We're going to rip off the bandaid. Uh, yeah, that's true. And you know, in all honesty, uh, the women have done a good job the last couple of years, but it used to be that it was not better, no. um, that they were very heavily weighted towards winning percentage at the expense of strength of schedule. So you would see teams with sub 500 strength of schedules get in just because they yeah. ran up a bunch of wins. Um, you know, I would not want to see that happen with the men's. And I don't think this, you know, knowing the makeup of this men's committee, I don't see that being a thing. But that is, you know, that is the one thing is I would not want to see. Uh, as we go back to a more unified system, I would not want to see them emulate that facet. No, and I think we've seen signs that they're not. But I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, by the way, Karen, if you're listening, I want to thank your team for losing in the first round of the NJAC tournament. It means the chair will be on the call the entire time and in the bracketing the entire time. She hinted at this in November. And, Karen, I just want to officially say thank you. Sorry. A little I'm sure she feels... I'm sure she feels great about the fact that uh, the fact that her team losing in the first round in the NJAC makes the the bracketing and selection process easier. <laughs> she will be uh, probably in Indy, I suspect. I know Sam pl uh, plans to be in Indy, um, and we heard from the head of officials, um, Jim Haney. I did not check in with the women's side that he's going to be in Indy putting the putting the um, official list together. I don't know if that's exactly what they're doing on the women's side. We've really evolved this system, Pat. Um, this has come. You're going to be an indie, in right? Years. Hmm? Aren't you going to be an indie? Uh, I'm sure. Let's go. Uh, we'll broadcast right out of their offices, and then you'll just stay uh, and just uh, stay drive for the rest Fort of the Wayne. month. Yeah, yeah. I think that's. A, go, I think that's a good go call. Stream studios. That'll make it easier. Right, right. And I'll give you about a five dollar per diem, so that should cover Perfect. you. <laughs> oh, that'll get me totally. Oh, I'm fine. Yeah, five dollars. All the Taco Bell you can eat. Yep, and There's I'll have one one shrimp. At, There's um, a White Castle right down the street from the NCAA. 
I've eaten there before when everything else is closed. Oh, so we're talking about a diet plan. Got it. I will lose weight <laughs> in this plan. This will work. This will work. Um, but no, Pat, it's come a long... And Ryan, you know too. It's come a long way. And yes, while we're hitting the quote-unquote system restore um, and going back a few years, I, I personally, I'm not. I'm fine with that. I think, it, I think this metric went way too far. Um, as much as we were using it, it went too far. Um, but we've, this system's come a long way under how we've been doing this over 10 years. It continues to evolve. They continue to try and find better ways. But, you know, I've seen some other sports. Hockey had to blow it up because it wasn't working. Basketball at least is working. Yeah, I mean, you know, and hockey is a completely different animal, too, because it's so segmented. You got all your teams in the east. You got all your teams in the west. And there's almost nobody in the middle, Adrian. And um, it's 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 really difficult to uh, to then bracket that thing, let alone uh, let let alone do those rankings. Completely, uh, completely different animal. And, uh, you know, I know we've talked about football too much already on this particular program (laughs) of Hoopsville in February. But uh, it's foosball. (laughs) <laughs> there's uh there's challenges there too i i think that uh, i i'm just interested to see how it uh how it shakes out uh not only on selection monday but also in this uh third regional ranking that's coming up yeah 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 before i let you guys go back to the brad bankston conversation regional change is coming i know we've all been kind of bashing our heads when when they last did the regional rankings you looked at the northeast pat i remember we would look at the northeast and go you can't break this up because there's yeah. there's too much intertwined in the same areas that you can't say they're in East Region, they're in Northeast or Atlantic or whatever. The, I like the novel concept of going to 10 regions and maybe breaking this up a little bit more. Yeah, I don't know how we do the Northeast better in a 10 region when you've got... I don't know. I don't know. Do you have your... Uh, you, you can't... It just has to not be geographically. So you have to, yeah. take, you have to take New England. You have NESCAC... And then you have New Mac, right? It's like you're picking two. teams. Right. You're picking your kickball teams for recess, yes. and then you got your you got your little East, and then uh, you know whatever's next. What's next in the pecking order? CCC now, right? Okay, C-C-C yeah. CCC, and then you know somebody has to take the MassCAC or the NECC or you know something like that. Not to bag on those two conferences, but especially the MassCAC has only seven teams, so I, I feel like. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's easy to pick on them a little bit. I, I just don't think you call. I don't know what you do. You call them Northeast and New England. I, I don't. Well, I don't know what you do. But that's might, one. That's one place names. you gotta. That's one place you gotta break stuff up for sure. They might just go numbers, right? Region one, region two, region three. To be honest oh, with you, the way that's Brad so D2. was the way Brad was talking, <laughs> there was a comment he made. I didn't go into it because God, I didn't. I didn't want to. I was afraid of where he may answer. But he did kind of hint that oh, the names can sometimes be problematic, and I went. Can yeah. we? Can we call them like the Norris Division? Can we pick <laughs> like? Can we? Can we have the Devon George region and like the the, the Bo Ryan, the Bo Ryan region? No, I think they should be named after prominent D three people. I, I'm liking where we're going here. Ooh. Yes. So the Hickson uh, the, region. Well, they, they, it's got to be someone who's retired, right? Okay. So okay. it's well, going to be the, the, the Hickson region, but that was the <laughs> the Harry. Sh- what that's already happened, right? That's what I said. Is that's a little too? It's a Which little one? too close to home. So the, I didn't hear you. Call it the Glen Robinson region. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> um, oh the, back to an earlier the, part of this of this segment. The uh, the Harry She region, but then the the Amherst folks wouldn't be too happy about that. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they end up calling it. Of course, you know that we have other region names in other sports. Uh, baseball calls its East region the New York region, um, and everybody basically is in New York. Their Great Lakes is called the Mideast. Uh, they have a Central and a Midwest. Um, so, you know, there's... Huh? Mid-Central. A, North, a Mid-Central. So, yeah, a, a, so, a Mid... A, a so North Atlantic. I got How a about text from somebody listening. Right to the regions in order to fund... A, a properly bracketed tournament at the end of the like, year. <laughs> wow, look like where you're going. <laughs> wow. I like it. We can uh, have I the, did the get a, a message, and I, either I missed it in the in the uh, the write-up or what, but one uh, sports information director listening in says the official proposal is numbers. Yeah. Boring. Uh, so uh, tonight on that Region mean, 2. That doesn't mean we can't name them. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure... I can tell you, we're sure not going to have the D3Hoops.com Region 2 all-region team. No. That's, God, no, ugh. please. We're going to have to imagine if we were. Imagine if we were still doing regional columns and we say, around the Region 2. God, no. No, please. I can't imagine writing Region 2 on the top of the graphics either when I... So this is our this is our off season message board topic for this year is what yeah. are we going to name yeah. the region? You're going to set up a draft for that, too? We can, oh. we can get on that. <laughs> By the way, so I got an email said, uh, FYI, Drew Pasteur, who's our D3 bubble guy, has Wabash with an 84% chance of getting into to the tournament. Backing up to a previous com- comment I made, I have found it interesting. Drew made a comment today on Twitter how he's still trying to tweak his system. And I have it at... It said 46% in what I have right in front of me. Well, that's my point, is one, go check and see if Drew hasn't changed things. That's the first thing. Oh, they thing. do have, I'm sorry, it has 84% as a C if they get, that's only if they get to the NCAC final. Ah, that's the 84% that's, that's being cited. Right. That's a, that's a, that includes a, a win against a regionally ranked team. So that right. changes that the paradigm help. quite a bit. But yeah. my oh, yeah. bigger point is Drew and Matt are still trying to tweak and adjust to what they saw in week well, one, week two, and what they'll probably see in week three to try and nail down their systems to something that is very difficult to nail down when it's we, new-ish. We should point out that Matt never attempts to predict the true. regional rankings. It That's just true. so happens that they were following so closely with his mathematical formula for a number of years that they were very accurate. Well, because the SOS <laughs> to the win-loss yeah. was so heavy. Right. That it was too easy. I agree. And, and Matt wasn't perfect at the end. We weren't perfect at the end on the men's side. We always missed one or two. Yeah. But nothing against Drew, because I think Drew does good work. I think Matt does good work. But they're adjusting, and I'm adjusting. Like I said, i got to dive in and go, oh, they're not. Okay, I need to think about this other dad a little bit more. Or, I, or is, to quote Sam Atkinson, it is about the entire resume. And, and nothing against what Drew says about Wabash right now, but I don't have 86% confidence, even if they do get to the championship, that they're in because the other question mark is how many other teams are going to lose? Right. And that's what always happens is, is how many of these pool C bids essentially are stolen away by teams that should be pool A. Um, and, and you may see a, t- a league like the WIAC this year that we would normally pencil in for two bids, you know, may have a spoiler. And that well, to, would be interesting. To be honest with you, the WIAC and the CCIW outside of the AQ, the team we think's getting in, I should say. Might only be a one bid. We'll have to see. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, no doubt. It's very possible. And that's, you know, so if you look at Wabash right now and it says 84% if they get to the NCAC final, 
Uh, that's what it says today on Sunday night. What does it say Thursday. Wednesday after somebody loses in the NJAC semis? What does it say on Friday after somebody loses in the semifinals of who knows what, who know where, right? In the right. ODAC or something like that? Right. They, these numbers are all, as you mentioned, This is what, I'm just spinning off what you said, Dave. When something else happens to another team, everything readjusts and your chances change. So. Uh, well, and what are they, you can't look at you're, you're not in a vacuum. You can't look at that in a vacuum. Well, how much are they going to change when the regional rankings come out Wednesday and Wabash didn't rise as much as they thought they would or sink as much, whatever the case may be. Stevens Point's an example. Drew was convinced that I think it was Drew was convinced that Stevens Point would rise in the center central region rankings. They didn't. And, and he had to go back and go, OK, I got to adjust everything. And again, not a knock on Drew. They're adjusting right, to the, what had been five or six solid years of knowing right. exactly how that SOS metric was working against win-loss, and then everything else was added stuff in case you needed it. So. Yeah, exactly. The math can change because they are probably still changing their formulas in order to keep up with the data that we're getting. Yep. By the way, uh, Dean Corwin says, and I like this idea, uh, his idea is a Chick-fil-A bracket. Maybe, um, <laughs> maybe regions, maybe we, we sponsor them. The Chick-fil-A bracket has to have like Messiah and Calvin and Wheaton because they can't play on Sundays. Wow. Covenant. I love, Covenant. I love how you think. The, <laughs> that's the outstanding. The South changes their whole schedule when Covenant is in the semifinals. So yeah. that's what I found out this week working on the tourney tracker, which is up, by the way. Yes, uh, by the way, the tournament. Go. There we go. I don't know. It's somewhere it's on this screen. Right there. Am I even on the screen? I assume I'm on the screen. <laughs> you are on the screen. <laughs> I have not changed the shot from the beginning. That's fine. I only see day. I just have the little Skype window. I yeah. only see you. I'm not getting distracted by YouTube or Facebook Live three, this time. Three monitors and a computer plus a monitor. Yeah, I, I'm fine. I turned off the NBA All Star Game, so I'm not. I'm not even second screening or anything. <laughs> well, that's impressive, note, sir. I really don't know how much more we can dive down the rabbit hole. We should point out, Pat. Another top twenty-five comes out tomorrow. In both men's and women's. I grabbed Yeah, the, actually, when you said the top 25 was not important enough to talk about, and I understand why, I was just thinking, hey, does that mean that I don't have to bother to catch my ballot or compile the darn thing tomorrow afternoon? No, go ahead. I guess not. Don't worry about it. Okay, good. Good, good. <laughs> I will say it feels like this one is going to mean a lot less than in, I don't know, since any of them since I've been voting. It just feels like there's so much happening this week and so much happened last weekend. It's just impossible to tell anything. Well, I feel like whatever I vote this week is is going to be completely blown up next week. I, right. I, All I have to say is welcome to Division Three men's basketball. Yeah. It's kind of been like this. I grabbed the wrong um, how they fare uh, earlier this week. Uh, earlier in the show, I talked about how Gettysburg had lost and lacrosse, which is true, but um, it was the wrong top 25. Uh, there were three losses in the women's top 25. Uh, there was a loss in the receiving votes category. But again, I don't see the top 25 on the women's side. It's funny. They had a lot of shakeup during the middle of the season. Now we're right back to where we used to be. Very little movement. <laughs> well, and I'll, I'll take that and kind of spin back to something you said, uh, you know, nine or ten minutes ago about uh, Amherst not being the best team in the uh, in, in the NESCAC. And that is true, of course. Uh, they're not playing that way and they are not, you know ranked that way because they lost a game right. in the NESCAC. But I had to go back and look. It's like, oh, yeah. So what does that mean? Well, they're still second in New England. So as long as they beat Tufts, I assume they're on the same side of the bracket as Tufts in the NESCAC. And if they lose so. to 
if they lose to Bowden again in the championship. I still think that Amherst is in a good position to host. Possibly. The fact that the Northeast Women's Committee put Bowden, Amherst, and Tufts all ahead of unbeaten St. Joe's of Maine suggests to me that that's kind of the way it's going to stay. And sure. no, uh, no, nothing that those three teams do against each other here this week is going to change that, in my opinion. I just don't think three teams in the NESCAC host. So I guess that Amherst-Tufts game will probably make that determination. <clears throat> yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Um. Any final thoughts before we buckle up into what will be a very interesting week, Ryan? Well, I was just going to point out, um, sort of doesn't have anything to do with anything other than recognizing some greatness. If Whitman succeeds in winning their conference tournament, their senior class, which is Austin Butler, Joey Hewitt, Jack Stewart, and Cedric Jacobs-Jones, will have won 110 games which would be a D3, we think, all-time record for one class of students. And that's before the NCAA tournament even gets started. So if they win the two games this week that I think we would expect them to win in the, in the Northwest Conference tournament, that's just a pretty amazing accomplishment yeah. for those four guys. Um, pretty amazing accomplishment for Ryan just to rattle off the four members of the Northwest <laughs> class. Bravo, sir. <laughs> Bravo. Dave is like, uh, so Ryan, tell me about your, tell me about coach's team. <laughs> right. When you, you should just have a little window that is Ryan instead of asking, hey, so coach, tell me about your team. You just <laughs> ask it to Ryan. Ryan will, uh, Ryan will rattle it off for you. I um, just hope that there isn't a fifth senior that I missed somewhere. I would feel bad about that. There might be. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I've been forgetting keep to track of this who's all healthy. game. Or all game. All show. Hats off to uh, Wabash's uh, Davidson. Jack yeah. Davidson. Jack Davidson. What was it? Ninety-five consecutive free throws, an all-division record. And then, of course, he missed one. He can't hit free throws. Um, I mean, that's that's astounding. <laughs> that is really amazing. Well, I, um, go ahead, Ryan. You I was going to say, saw somebody on the board said he's now he made the the two after that, so he's now only ninety-three away from the record. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he's a sophomore, so he's got some chances, yeah, right? Plenty of time. Uh, you know, that's a record that used to be held by Division Three royalty. Uh, Corey Kuhn of Illinois Wesleyan had it before um, uh, Dirk Reinhardt from Kalamazoo. Boy, for wow. a second, I almost forgot that guy's name. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't have remembered except we, you know, relinked to the story like five times in the last yeah, two weeks. It's true. But uh, otherwise, uh, not nearly as memorable as uh, as Corey Kuhn, of course, uh, D3Hoops.com All-American. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Jack Davidson has a chance to rattle off a... Another couple of ninety free throw streaks too before his career is done. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, to say Plus, he's having a heck of a year otherwise too. True, it's not just free throw shooting. No. He's putting up some amazing numbers some nights. Well, he's getting to the line, which makes it more amazing. Is that yeah? That didn't come in a span of twenty games, or 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 you know where he's getting there one or two times. I mean, that came in a span of what three weeks. Well, all. Yeah. Uh, not three weeks, but all yeah, of the I'm course off. of the season. It doesn't span over. Like eight for eight in that loss against Worcester. It was 10 of 12 uh, the other night against Oberlin in the game in which the streak ended. Uh, you know, an off night for him is, you know, when he has only three or something like right. that. But, you know, a lot of a lot of big scores are not guys who put the ball on the floor and take it to the basket. They're guys who are who are content to shoot out on the perimeter. And so they don't necessarily get to the line so much right. um, if unless you're uh, why don't we talk? Well, just throw Vinny Curtis' name I out was there. I going to mention that. <laughs> Vinny yeah. Curtis broke the career free throw attempted record, which um, is a little unusual for a Grinnell player. Um, they're, they're usually committing the fouls more than. <laughs> so that's the. He, he gets to the basket a lot. 
and uh, I guess to the line more than anybody else ever has. Ever, ever, ever. Um, Pat, your final thoughts, as I just realized this segment went much longer than expected. <laughs> uh, whatever. What do we got? Uh, uh, which camera? Is this my camera? Yeah, there you okay. go. Perfect. <laughs> the one with, well done the one with the one with the light on it uh <laughs> i just uh i just implore people to follow us on uh twitter this week follow us on the website we're going to be throwing a bunch of stuff follow that uh, tourney tracker that is going to be your one-stop mm-hmm. shop for all sorts of things it's going to be not only uh we're going to keep the bubble conversation and the the bubble predictions there updated if your team gets bounced on monday night you know and is in potentially in contention, then by the end of the night, Monday night, we'll have something that says, you know, what the pool C situation looks like for them. And that's something that will change over the course of the week, just like the math does. And we will keep that updated as well. Uh, that will be also your source for watching games. You can watch, uh, you know, the live, follow the live stats, follow the video. Um, it may be because it's busy this week. We might not put all, all the audio links up, but we'll get everything else up there as much as we can. So that would be, yeah, my final thought is just promotional. I'm sorry yeah. about that, but no, uh, go it's, for it. It's, it's a big week. And then, you know, come back on Sunday at, with all the other days in between, of course, but come back on Sunday because that's the busiest day of division three basketball. And, uh, it is a big day here and, uh, Dave won't get any sleep. So you can watch that. Wait, normally or that night? Dave, I actually thought I was going to have to volunteer to do the show for you. I was Dave was going to have to produce, but I was like, I yeah, I'll just sit in my chair for three hours and ask a bunch of questions, and Dave will be like madly texting at me, ask him about his team. <laughs> I almost uh, called you. I almost did. Um, uh, yeah, I wish I could have on Thursday. No, uh, Thursdays there's... aren't great for me, but no, I knew that. <laughs> I figured we could get past one, but two would be too far. <laughs> I'm here, man. I've hosted. Three two. hoops fills three. Yeah, two in the modern era, and one <laughs> at yes. Selection Sunday, two thousand one. That's right. I saw a picture yeah. just a moment ago about uh, when I thought about using, but for promotional reasons, I said you didn't want to see that picture. Hat backwards. <laughs> By the way, Tourney Tracker, these two guys did all the a lot of heavy lifting on that. Gordon, I know, does and some. Gordon, too, but and I, Gordon, oh, and Gordon on the women's, women's tracker. Thank you. I, I, I was watching the chat room. I literally not well this week i had to disconnect but i was watching you guys and yeah this this was my first year working on the tracker and i'll just say please use that please please use it because so daryl duncan who just asked in the uh in the youtube chat for example uh you can find it on the front page of d3hoops.com uh the headline it's listed as now is something like men's conference tournament tracker or something super basic (laughs) Uh, so uh go go look for it there also if you're uh if you're especially if you're following us on uh, desktop, go to your news menu. Uh, you've got a brand spanking new entry for the 2019 NCAA tournament that has all of our 2019 tournament related headlines. Uh, that includes the first two regional rankings. That includes the tournament tracker. Um, it's supposed to include the uh, uh, the handbook, and I guess I did not properly get that in there. So I'll fix that before we get off here. A uh, quick question from our friend Phil asked if NJCU has a chance of hosting the opening weekend in men's basketball. I, I, yeah. Yes, but I could also see them skip in the Atlantic region. Man, I, I, it'd be, be tough to skip them twice. Also, just kind of geographically, it'd be tough to skip them twice. True. Um, that's a spot in the country where you kind of, you know, I just don't know if the top beat. 16 teams are really in there. Well, no, maybe it, not. But you got to pull some teams out of New England. They got to play somewhere. Fair. And New Jersey City is a great place for that to happen. Fair. And if if they win conference tournament, that's 
that's 21 and five, right? 21. Yeah. That, that's a pretty good record. Yeah. Their SOS isn't too bad. You know, that's especially you, you want to try and get at least the first team from every region in there. I, I, I don't think, think they got to win it. I think they got to win it. If they lose it, I think it opens up. The one would be interesting is the East. If they keep beating up on each other, that might be one that doesn't well, Hamilton have as host much hosting there. going on. Well, Hamilton's not in the well, East, Hamilton's though. I mean, not in the East anymore. So. I know, but I'm saying geographically, they're in a spot that can take right. that host. Right, they can take those yeah. teams, but it just wouldn't be um, an East branded right. team, right. for lack of a better term. Well, gentlemen, it, appreciate it as always. Thank you so much. Look forward to working uh, during the week and then seeing one or both. I don't know. We'll figure out Sunday when we get a little closer to Sunday. How about how about we just get the Monday first? That sounds good. I'd be perfectly happy to continue to be a behind-the-scenes guy who's madly bracketing teams as you guys are debating them and putting them in. (laughs) (laughs) I had a feeling. Uh, Thanks so much, guys. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Ryan Scott and Pat Coleman joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. And just because we've gone a long while, don't forget, all interviews on the Hoopsville Hotline are courtesy of our partners at Blue Frame Technology and their industry-leading production truck software. If your college is ready to showcase its teams through a reliable and innovative video streaming service that won't break your budget, Blue Frame is the one you should call. Their advanced digital broadcast tools will help take your broadcast to the next level. Learn more today by visiting BlueFrameTech.com. That's www.BlueFrameTech.com. Dot com. Quick thank to, thanks to all our guests. Obviously, um, Ryan and Pat for coming on. Brad Bankston at the ODAC for talking about regional realignment, something we'll continue to talk about for the next year or so. Johns Hopkins, uh, Catherine Bixby, their women's basketball coach from Occidental. Jonathan, or I should say Johnny uh, Crothwaite from the junior guard there. From New Jersey City, Mark Brown, the head basketball coach for the men's basketball team. From Millsaps, Justin LeBlanc. Women's basketball coach, New New Pulse's women's basketball coach, Jamie Seward. Nichols men's basketball player, Marcos Echeverria. Echeverria, I should say. Apologize. Getting a little too crazy there. From La Roche, men's basketball, Hermie Carmichael. From Wisconsin Lutheran women's basketball, Clay Knepel. Uh, appreciate them all coming on the show. And I really want to thank all of the um, SIDs for helped out as well. Uh, there's no way I'm going to be able to, to recite everybody who helped us out as I normally would. I should have written it down. I did not tonight, but thanks to the sports information directors who helped us and the head coaches, I should say, um, for the two programs at uh, Occidental, Brian Newell, and at Nichols for their help as well for getting uh, their players on the show. With that, we wrap it up. We'll be back sun, uh, Thursday at 7 o'clock Eastern with a show. We don't know what yet. We'll figure out. Um, exactly what we put together for that evening. And then Sunday we'll be back on the air. We'll figure out the time exactly for an extended show doing mock selections and whatnot. Appreciate you tuning in. You've been watching Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios course presented by D3Hoops.com, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Also, of course, with help from Blue Frame, City of Fort Wayne, City of Salem, University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, and, of course, Randolph-Macon as well. want to thank all of our partners for their support. You've been watching Hoopsville because if you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoopsville. We'll be back on the air coming up Thursday. Good night, everybody. <laughs>